Welcome to Sabby Sab's podcast. This is episode 60, DSA clashes with squad and backs workers. DSA has issued a statement condemning AOC and Cori Bush for not protecting the railroad workers' right to strike. At this point, should DSA remove squad members that don't support their principles? And I'm just going to double check my volume here for media. All right, got that going. And I see we already have a couple of people lined up. So this should be an interesting conversation. Let's go ahead and bring in Delthea. You are on the mic. Hey, can you hear me? I can hear you. How are you? I am okay. Hmm. I am okay. I, I asked for a raise at work and I got it. And then I told him I had to cut my hours. So, yeah. Well, congratulations. Okay. So I'm I'm doing I'm doing okay. Um I got a couple of things I wanted to to say. First of all, I looked up and saw you were on rising. So I, I watched that and I am thoroughly convinced you go on there to say the things that Brianna can't say. And I love it. Oh, the stuff yeah. she may or may not want to say, but she can't say it, and you're there to do that, and I love it. Oh, thank you so much, Delthea. I, I guess it's a little bit different because I don't work for them, you know. I know. <laughs> thing. Uh, secondly, about the election tonight, if Warnock loses, it will be because of $600. Mm. $600, which made people sit at home and not come out and vote for him. And the Democratic Party will learn nothing from that. Mm-hmm. Nothing at all. And now about the DSA. Mainstream politics in this country has never been socialist. We've had people who have called themselves socialists, but the actual politic has never been there. The best we've done is reform liberalism, um, where we keep capitalism, but we make it nicer. You know, it's like, it's like fancy capitalism. It's like capitalism with raisins. Right. Okay. Um, until the DSA is willing to actually come out and attack capitalism on a regular basis, um, I don't see them cutting ties with anyone. I see them being raisins. They're, they're just going to be there to try to make the Democrats look fancy. Now, what's your take? I don't know. Tell me. Yeah, I think the the problem with DSA, and this is part of the reason why I told you guys before, I don't like joining these political organizations because I've heard so many stories. I've never even been a DSA member, and I've heard so many stories from people who have been DSA members. Um, But I can tell you, for me, in Boston, the DSA chapter that we have here is not representative of working class people. 
most of the people mm-hmm. that are part of DSA are PMCs. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that they can't join. I want to be clear clear about that with everybody. I want people to hear that and be like, Sabi doesn't think PMC should be a part of it. It's, it's not even that. It's just the fact that the issues that they're fighting for, these are mainly issues that affect working class people. Mm-hmm. But I don't see working class people present. And you can't have a working class movement without working class people. Exactly. And I think, you know, I can only speak for my area and here it's either PMCs or it's uh, a lot of, you know, college students at these elite institutions. So it's mm-hmm. students, you gotta, you guys gotta remember where I live. So there's Harvard University, there's MIT, mm-hmm. there's Boston University, there's Boston College. Like it's mm-hmm. a lot of that. It's a lot of that. And so, yeah. and then on top of that, and then you have like, there's some professors that are a part of this as well. And it's just, based on the stories that I have heard and I've, I know what the group looks like because I've seen them at protests before mm-hmm. and they'll come out for things like that. But the problem is it is not representative of the people that they say that they are fighting for. And so I truly believe that if DSA was more representative of the working class, then they would be pushed more to remove people like AOC and Cori Bush. But mm-hmm. because they're mainly, at least the chapter here, mainly consists of PMCs. By the way, there's very few uh, Black people in the chapter mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. I think nothing is going to change because now it has gotten to the point where DSA is known for the squad members. They're known for mm-hmm. AOC. They're known for Cori Bush. They're known for Jamal mm-hmm. Bowman. And so it's like, now if you remove those people from the organization, what is left to say about DSA? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I'm in the same predicament you are. I went to a DSA meeting here in the Triangle. We've got Duke, we've got UNC, we've got NC State, we've got St. Augustine, we've got Peace College, Meredith College, we've got all these colleges. And everybody there was PMC. Everybody. Yep. I mean, what I do now, outside of my writing, what I do now would be considered working class work. But I got multiple college degrees. Well, I'll go ahead. I was going to say, now, was there somebody there who, you know, went to training school, went to trade school and and works with their hands? No. Nope. No. It's the same problem we have at the Unitarian Church. You can go to the Unitarian Church, and if you need a lawyer, you can get somebody in from your church. You need a plumber, you should have a look. That's right. And 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 that's not that's not good either. But those are the things that I wanted to say. I'm not going to hold anybody up. Y'all have a good good night. And as Sabi says, keep up the fight. Thank you so much, Delthea. Um, I'm going to bring in uh, Eric next. Um, But before I bring in Eric, I do want to say, you know, I I do want to be clear here, people. 
I can only speak about the chapter that exists where I live. <laughs> so where I live, that is what the DSA chapter is like. And I have interviewed people that are a part of that organization. In fact, one of them, one local office here in Massachusetts and is sitting in the state house now, a uh, young, young person, uh, Erica Eiderhoven. Uh, she was another one that came from DSA. She canvassed for Bernie Sanders, uh, I think 2016 and 2020. I have to go back and look at that interview. Um, but she she had a lot of has a lot of great ideas. She's done really good things actually in the state house. Uh, her district is uh, the one district here in Massachusetts that did defund the police. That's the district I used to live in. I lived in um, Somerville before I moved. And they defunded the police. I'm trying to get that uh, activist group still trying to get them to come on to talk about how they did that. But that push, you know, she was a part of that. And and so on the local level, I've seen them do. Do decent things. But like I said, it was very clear to me that the biggest problem I see with DSA is that they do not have working class people, for the most part, a part of this organization. And again, what you have if you look at the dynamics, you have the PMC class leading DSA. Then you have the PMC class leading the Bernie Sanders movement. Then you have the PMC class leading left independent media. Does anybody see the problem here? You see the pattern? Let me go ahead and bring in uh, Eric. All right, Eric, what is going on? Nice to see you. Nice to see you too. And yeah, um, you're right. BMC can't lead shit that involve that's supposed to involve the working class. Um, so should DSA remove squad members to support their principles? Yep. If you're actually worker based, yep. Don't even hesitate either. And you know you could play you could play the hell no song. You know the hell to the no to the no no yeah that song yeah you could play. <laughs> Be like, ah, uh, we, we mean we say we say we mean. Get the fuck out. So, everyone may not be aware of that, Eric. Everyone may not be aware of that song. You guys, there's a song Eric's <laughs> talking about. It's called it goes, Hell no to the no, 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 hell to the no. Like that's the song. And so that's why I'm laughing because <laughs> I had to explain to people just in case, because some people are like, What does that mean? So yeah. Uh, so um yeah, when you all when um you were talking to Delphia and she brought up um, schools. Um, the school I'm at now is way more academically focused. It's basically, basically, so a lot of our students have like more of a collegiate mentality in high school already. It's a very mature, like sophomores and juniors and stuff like that. Who, are, who They have helicopter parents who are serious about their shit. So, unlike my alternative school. But, Something I'm noticing, and I, I kind of pointed it out, like, somebody else so academically focused, you can't think straight. So, it's like, okay, you're academically focused, but what else is there? There's no, there's no consciousness there. There's no, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's no, like, and, and it's not their fault, but there's no, like, real class consciousness there. So, I see it. And and I'm like, yeah. Like some of them ask me, what what do they what do we do better than your ex, ex, uh, alternative set of kids? Not better academically. When it comes to understanding life, 
they kick they kick your behinds twenty times over. So, I guess I guess my real my bigger point with that is, what's the point of being so academic if you don't have a, like re, a real like consciousness behind it? That's a really good point, Eric. And you know, I say this like because I come from both worlds. Like, yeah, I've been on both sides. I know what it's like to be to be poor. I know what it's like to be to be middle class. And all I'll say is it's a hell of a lot easier if you're not poor. I'm going to tell you that much. (laughs) I'm going to tell you that much. So oftentimes what I would see is like, it seemed like a lot of the members, at least with the chapter here, like the big thing, they, they supported the progressive policies, but it did seem like there was a lot of focus on canceling student loan debt. And I, I totally agree with that, but that's something that directly affects them. Yeah, and I, I I I noticed the difference when it was just like when we're talking about Medicare for all, you know, where was that same push and fight when the squad decided not to force the vote, which is a DSA policy is in the handbook, yeah. and it tells you step by step how to do it with instructions. So for me, it's just that I feel like if you haven't lived it. You don't fully understand the sense of urgency. And unfortunately, even some of the DSA members, they have grown on to treat some of these squad members like celebrities. So even when they're in the wrong and they don't uphold the principles, there's no pushback from them either. They're just excited that AOC came to town. They're excited that Ayanna Presley is here. You know, they're excited. I mean, that's the thing. So it's like, when it comes to like the academic piece that you're talking about, I think this is part of the problem. Like, look who we have let, who we've let lead these movements. Yeah. And, and it's just like, it's, it's also confusing people about what left actually is. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like, I've, I've had like, and yes, I've had to do this. I've had to correct some students on what left is. Cause like liberals not left, not by a long shot. Um, and I know some students are asking me about it for some reason. I had no idea. It wasn't my fault. So, <laughs> so yeah, I had to correct that. Also, um, it's just the it's just the fact that. The real the real change is gonna have to come from it's gonna have to come from them. Cause I feel like I feel like we're gonna be the ones that have to start it, but they're gonna be the ones to finish it. Yeah, it's just I've I've seen so many of these like I'm telling you, all these organizations, man, they sound good in the beginning. Same thing with Working Families Party. Like that was supposed to be uh organizations. Exactly. In the end, they end up back in the corporate Democrat. Like they, they were supporting Chuck Schumer over the actual progressive uh, candidates. And Imani uh, Oakley ran into this problem in her district. She was like, why is Working Families Party supporting the corporate Democrats instead of supporting the grassroots uh, candidates? Uh, Christine um, Olivo called out that same thing. So I, that's what I said. A lot of these organizations, uh, Working Families Party, DSA, 
um, the, the, the Jacobin types, like in the end, they just funnel people into the democratic party. And I just don't see any change that way. Lucy, uh, I made you a speaker, so you just have to unmute. I want to get your take on this because I know, um, you're in AOC's district and, um, I know you had a lot to say about this. I shared your tweet on stream tonight where you were talking about her contradiction in reference to supporting these strikes, but go ahead. Um, well, I, I think you showed most of what I had to say. I, I also, I've been to, I would say like four or five DSA meetings in the past. Um, and I left really not too long after I joined. <laughs> Damn. Um, uh, but uh, the interesting thing about DSA, and I live in the Bronx, um, is that, and you know, I have nothing against um, the fact that there's white people in DSA. I'm white, you know. <laughs> um, I have nothing against college graduates being in the DSA, but. Um, they it, it is true that it is heavily heavily a lot of columbia graduates um in my area are in the dsa um a lot of them are are relatively young um and they don't really seem to be grounded in the communities that they say that they're fighting for so basically um in, in my area, there, you know, there was like a Bronx chapter. There was supposed to be a Bronx chapter. They tried to break out into a Bronx chapter. And DSA, New York City DSA did not allow them to. Um, so basically what you have is you don't have a Bronx chapter at all. Bronx is, is you know, basically the poorest borough. Um, and then you have like 10 chapters in Brooklyn. And, um, uh, you know, they, they just, they kind of merged Bronx DSA with Upper Manhattan DSA. The reason being that it's basically dominated by Columbia graduates. And what's even worse than that is even on the issues that you would think college students would fight for, like student debt, for example. Like I went to a, you know, it was like lower Manhattan finance something group or something like this. And I was like, why don't you guys fight for a student debt strike? Because, because you have so many students, right? So you have an organization with a lot of students. What would you fight for? Well, probably things that affect students. Um, and they, the, the woman actually, she like answered back at me. We don't really do strikes. So then I was like, well, what, what is the point of <laughs> this organization? Then you, know, you don't do strikes. So um, uh, they seem to have a focus on kind of like they're obsessed with recruiting minorities. And what I noticed was that um, uh, part of the reason that they have such a tight grip on AOC is because, um, you know, they think that they're going to have less minorities join or something if they drop, you know, somebody like AOC you know, when in reality, the people in the area, like, you know, it's not like AOC is the most revolutionary person that's ever come out of the S- South Bronx. You know, we had like <laughs> the young lords here, the Black Panthers, you know, AOC is not like people vote for her, but it's not. Um, so, it, it, you know, 
So uh, they want to, I, I think it sounds like Lucy, I'm sorry. It sounds like they want to keep her around for representation. Yeah. They want to keep her around for representation. Um, and they don't, um, I don't know if it's like a combination of guilt or what, but, uh, you know, the few times I've called them out that, you know, they do that line with, with, they did that line with me, like, um, but do you live in district, you know? So, you know, that's always their go-to. Like whenever you criticize them, they'll accuse you of not living in the district. Um, which in my case doesn't work at all because, you know, I have a, a, a larger connection to the district than most of them. Um, so, you know, right. it, it doesn't make any sense. Um, and yeah, they definitely want to keep these people for representation. And I, I don't think it's always malicious, but definitely DSA Central. I do think it's malicious to not let the Bronx, for example, um, separate out into its own chapter. They seem to kind of want to re retain control, um, uh, centralized control and kind of operate it in a top down manner. Yeah, 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 Lucy, like, holy shit. If I, I literally, if you described it to me without saying DSA, I would have thought you were describing the Democratic Party. Well, that's another issue, too. What Lucy just mentioned, uh, this, the structure, the top-down organization, socialist this organizations don't operate that way. Flat. Just sounds like a very capitalist uh, mindset here. I want to give you guys an update really quick with the Georgia uh, runoff. Uh, it was tied 50-50. It's changing like every minute. I'm not kidding. Now it says Herschel Walker 50.2% and Warnock 49.8%, 85% in. How trash does Warnock have to be? Like, God damn. Like, I'm making jokes about this, like, incredibly, because I'm just like, first of all, how in the world did you let Herschel Walker even get that close to you? <sighs> That's what's hilarious to me. I mean, with all the stuff that came out about Herschel Walker, I mean, his own he son even, his own son even condemned him. I'm like, God damn, how bad? <laughs> One, I deserve to be roasted for this regardless. Well, look at all the people that came out against um, Donald Trump, but that didn't stop people from voting for him. You know? True. I mean, was it really a vote for him or against his opponents? Oh, that's a good point, too. A lot of people don't like Hillary. Yeah. <laughs> Hillary's an easy target. I can see that, too. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, my, my thing is at this point, I think they do need to remove them because they're not upholding the principles. I mean, and every time it becomes more and more embarrassing, you know, I think the Iron Dome situation kind of like slid under the radar for people who weren't really paying attention to progressive politics. But this particular situation, you can't slide that under the radar because this was like national news. This was huge. Yeah. But it just shows the blatant lack of, lack of a fuck that they get. It's like, dude, you just slap railroad workers in the face. Railroad workers in the face, and yeah. I saw, and I saw your tweet, Savvy, about the um, the interview on CNN. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the workers did. <laughs> God damn, he said it. He said it fucking perfectly. Yeah, just, and that guy just, voted. That guy voted for Joe Biden, and called them out too. I'm like, bro, come on, like. 
Yeah, y'all, I'm like, we're setting up for an, either a DeSantis presidency or a Trump presidency, or a Trump repeat. Like, what, what the fuck is that? This is a guy. This it's is a guy. crazy. Warnock yeah. just pulled in the lead. 50.3%. Walker, 49.7%. 87% in. It's changing so fast. I can't keep up. Jesus I really can't. Christ. I'm going to wait five minutes before I give you guys another update. I'm sorry. Jesus Christ. It's Warnock's fault. It's his fault. Like, how in the world? Like, like I said, like for Obama saying, like, he's a football player and da da da. I'm like, that why is he even this close? <laughs> That's the thing. But see, here's the thing with Barack Obama, though. People see him for the fraud he is. So. It's like if he speaks for you, it's kind of like when more people look at that and go, yeah, this this is a clown. Um, this man's a fraud, and he's speaking for you. And then Herschel's a clown. <laughs> so it's like, what, what the fuck do we have here? You're choosing between less clown and clown? I mean, <laughs> like what? Like I'm still getting a clown. I mean, I might as well go with the actual clown. You know? I mean, damn. see, see that, see that's, see that's what I mean about the same shit in Florida. It's like uh, former Republican, still Republican, light in Charlie Crist, and ultra Republican in Ron DeSantis. Fuck it, you might as well go with the ultra Republican. <laughs> like what? This why this lesser two evil shit doesn't work. <laughs> Damn. Well, I think Eric, do you think this is going to wake more people up the the way that they voted this time in reference to the railroad uh, strike? It, be- it better because at this point I can't think of anything else. I mean, when I um when I had my conversation with Bree, I was like, at this point, given what happened, I know she was she she got pissed off at me at the beginning, but that's what that's you do, Eric. I, hey, I didn't do nothing. I was trying to compliment her. She got mad. But anyway. What you, what, what you say, Eric? Oh, <laughs> all I said was, I'm like, finally you getting mad because, like, my only issue with her is that she's too nice about stuff. She, you're a little bit too nice for me. I'll still support you, but you're a little bit too nice. Come on, Eric. You came more from, like, you said, I told you so, though, Bree. <laughs> what? I mean, I, no, no, case, case, case. Come on now, come on now. I was. I, did, I, did, when I, heard I didn't mean. I didn't mean it as. I just. I didn't mean it as that. I didn't mean it as that. That's how she took it. But it's like, yeah. But I'm like, you know, I've been telling her this. And you know, I'm like, look. I, I'm just trying to like, 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 I'm trying to compliment you in some way. <sighs> you, you said that, Eric. Eric, look. Literally, he said, "Is is about time you got mad." And once you said that, she said her, it triggered her, and she went off on you. Because I've been Eric. trying, to tell, I've been trying to tell her to get mad about this for like longer than this. <laughs> She's over here taking forever getting mad about this. I'm like, yo. <laughs> okay, so so, okay. Here's something I do want to say really quick. When. When people get to that point where they reach that that anger zone and they're like, damn it, you know, these guys are these guys are useless. 
I think it's important that we don't, I told you so them because just remember we weren't always at that point either. Yeah. It's, it's just, it, like I said, it just, it just got to a point where it like bothered me. That's like, why is it taking you so long to get here? And like, it's not even just like one thing. It's like people have been hinting at this to her, especially with the whole not wanting to stay with the Democratic Party. She's been hinted at this multiple times. So, I mean, it just got to a point where I'm like, finally, Jesus. But well, I think yeah. there, there's still like, you know, for some people, there's still that smidgen of hope, right? There's still that chance, right? And I think, you know, I, mean, I, I know what that's like because that used to be me. Like I, I used to still hope and have that chance. And I think one thing to to take into consideration is like, I think it's good to remember though, that she was Bernie Sanders press secretary. And so while a lot of us saw this from the outside, she was deep in the trenches of it. And she does remember a time when things looked like they were on the, the right path. I mean, looking back on it, maybe not 2016, but 2020, we had the numbers. Like we really had the numbers to actually create some type of change, like a movement even outside of this, if Bernie Sanders lost, we really did have the numbers. And I can't imagine what that must be like to have been his press secretary and to see that, to see that transition and to see how at the end, like everything just kind of fell apart. I can't imagine what that must feel like. Yeah. I yeah, I, I guess it's just like, like you, you got to you understand too. It's like, yeah, you dealt with that. You also got people who are on the outside that you're talking to. And so it's not like you're in this isolated bubble, but I get, I get what you're saying. Sabi. It's just the fact that like you, we've been hinting at this with her and it's like, it's yeah. like when it was just like it's finally like it's like Jesus finally, and and it's like I've been waiting for you to get mad about something for a little minute now. Um, Eric, I know I talked to um like Amani recently, and I was and I talked about the same exact situation that you you talked to Bree about, and I know with Bree is more about at giving people grace, meaning that you allow them a certain amount of space. You just got into Congress. And then over the couple of years, you're going to say, okay, after a while, it's like, okay, we're just going to give you a rope and let you hang yourself, which is basically where AOC is at that point right now, where she's not doing um, more good. She's doing more harm than good or being more counterproductive than good. And so that's where she's at the point where it's like, okay, I'm, I'm on Jimmy Dore's side of things as far as being inflamed by, you know, them pissing me off. That's where she got to. And that's when you're like, you know, it was about time. It's more about just giving people grace to move. And I was telling Armani, I said, hey, if you got into office, and you know, she ran as a Democrat, I, I would give you a certain amount of time before I start, I start, you know, denouncing you. You have to, I, I believe in allowing them, okay, you just got in there, you're going to find out the, the, the ropes, and then go from there. So I think that's where, if if I could, I I, I don't want to explain for Brie, but I'll explain for myself where I come from. Because I come from that school of Brie of allowing people space and allowing people time. But I'm definitely with everybody for a while now. Because I remember I used to have these kind of debates with Nico way back in the day before my RBN days. And um, 
and he definitely was not on the AOC train while I was. And but now I'm definitely <laughs> and I don't even know exactly when that happened, but I'm definitely off of that train right now. Yeah. But, and after you, though, Eric, finish your thought and I have something to say about DSA. I'll talk about that later. Okay. Yeah, it's it just goes like it's it's just the fact that I guess her and I have two different perspectives on them. Cause I'm kinda looking like, okay, well, I have like I have students around me that ask me stuff, right? So I'm not going to them looking like a damn fool. Like, especially when I got especially when I was at the alternative center and I had a lot of students in my community. Now I just have students in all different backgrounds at my new high school now. But still, the point is, I guess, it's like I said, I guess it's just because, like, I'm looking at it as, well, I got people asking me stuff. And then, you know what I'm saying? Like, I guess I'm looking at it from a standpoint of obligation. And like I said, that's that's to me what kind of led to that, just that me just being like, finally. But... Um, but yeah, that's, that's really what I wanted to say. Just, just trying to make sure like some of my new students aren't so academic to the point where they can't think straight. I'm just trying to make sure that consciousness is still there. So, or actually present in some way. That's all I wanted to say really. Yeah. Uh, Well, thank you so much for that, Eric. I want to make sure I bring in Marco, um, as well. Um, okay, sorry about that. That's okay. Thank, thank you, thank you so much. Um, I, I do want to say I'm bringing in Marco here, but I do want to say, you know, I think there's a difference between the people that we can definitely tell are purposely like they they see the problem, they know that the squad ain't shit, and they still trying to run cover for them because they trying to get access to them. I think we can see the difference, and I think, like I said, like for the people who were the press secretaries, like I want to give you guys. Uh, an example that happened before uh, Brianna Joy Gray. Let's all remember that Simone Sanders was also Bernie Sanders press secretary. Now that was for 2016. And do you guys remember the blowback that Simone Sanders got when she decided to leave? Do you guys remember the blowback that Teslin Figaro got when she decided to leave the Bernie Sanders campaign and our revolution? And she she told she went on the interviews and told people. Like, look, this is what was what was happening as a part of the campaign. And this is what was also happening with our revolution. And she got a lot of blowback. So when you do come forward with that with that information and stuff like that, you got to be careful because it they go the heat really going to come your way. And then also some people may look at you and say, well, I get, what if that person was actually an infiltrator and not really a da da da, you know, uh, and that's where the hero worship is a big problem because Bernie Sanders at the end of the day is still a human being. He's not perfect. Uh, he's not an idol. And I think some people idolized him instead of just focusing on the policies, the, the policies that he was trying to represent. And for those people, Bernie Sanders can never do no wrong. And so anyone who speaks out against him is going to be looked at, at a certain way. Now, uh, Sabi, I remember when uh, Simone left because it was pretty clear as towards, you know, Bernie was losing and she's already thinking about her future career. And as we all know, she's landed on msnbc probably making six figures or more so she ready set herself up um she, she was looking forward to the future 
right? But I don't remember which was nefarious because especially she went on to work for Biden. It, it just shows, it just tells me that she wasn't truly a uh, change agent. Let me just put it that way to be nice. But as far as Tesla, I did, I do not remember when she left. Can you give me more information on that? Like, why did she say she left? Yeah, you guys should watch. So Tesla did an interview with The Breakfast Club. And it was a really good interview. And she's, she's done other interviews as well, talking about this particular topic. Uh, she talked about some of the racial issues that she experienced when she was a part of the Bernie campaign, that she tried to bring this information to leadership. Uh, nothing changed. Nothing was done. Um, so that's why, you know, she left. And that's why when he ran in 2020, she didn't get on board for his 2020 campaign. Um, but she also mentioned in one of those interviews that Simone Sanders had also experienced uh, some of those racial issues as well. So I think this is the thing, though, when people came out with that information, smeared, uh, some of them were blackballed, some of them were shadow banned, like things like that. So you do have to keep that in mind. And I'm pretty sure, um, you know, it's it's not easy when you're in that position. But like I said, Bree was a part of the Bernie Sanders movement at a time when it actually had the chance, if it wasn't for the, the, the election, uh, the way they rigged these elections and shit like that. And, and Obama and all that stuff. If it was let to be up to the will of the people, she was a part of his campaign during a time when Bernie Sanders actually had a chance to win. In fact, Bernie Sanders should have won. Momentum behind his 2020 campaign was greater than it was for his 2016 campaign. So for her, she might be sitting and looking back like, I watched all these people across the country come together and unify under these these policies and these ideas and to watch it all just collapsed with the people that you worked with. That's got to make you feel some kind of way. So I think, you know, sometimes it may need... um some people may need a little bit more time is, is what I'm saying. But go ahead, Marco. Yeah, yeah, good to talk to you, Savvy. Um, I'm a DSA member. Um, I came from the DSA from the Green Party. Green Party has a lot of problems. I'm a big supporter of the Green Party. But, you know, I knew Bernie was a fake in 2016 when he told me to vote for Hillary Clinton and he told me to vote. Uh, he did not vote for... Um, Jill Stein, if he was legit and he believed he lost the Democratic race and he knows it got stolen from him, I'm just like, I gave up on him back then. You know, so that's my perspective. So I just, I organize in the DSA because that's the best thing in my city. But, you know, if, in, if I was in Seattle, I might be more interested in being with Socialist Alternative, for instance. So I think I would encourage everybody to go out to anything locally that's really radical, like Communist Party, DSA. Socialist Alternative, Socialist Party, whatever, you know, people should just, or even just local unions, local unions always need help. Just go start doing anything, you know, I don't know. Yeah, those are good points, Marco. Like, you guys don't have to be a part of a political organization. Like, that's the thing. Like, when I first started volunteering, it was not a political organization. I first started volunteering with the Girl Scouts and then Habitat for Humanity. Like, there's so many other ways that you can get involved in your community and, and help people. And I think that, uh, look, I mean, I think a lot of us are really frustrated um, with the squad members and with Bernie Sanders alike. And a lot, some of us on here donated, um, donated money to them and dedicated a lot of our time uh, to help them win. And, 
You know, it's it, it it is it is really upsetting when you sit back and you look at the time that you spent to try to help them win, only to see them just become just like the corporate Democrats. Like it's really sad. It's I think the saddest to me is not so much AOC, it's Cory Bush. Cory Bush for me really like it it's hurtful because she came from the Ferguson protests like she came from the movement she knows about the police brutality it's affected her community and to see her lose her voice when I do interviews now that is not the same person that we heard uh, speak three four years ago that is not the same person somebody has silenced her somewhere I feel like she doesn't seem as confident as she used to be when she does these interviews now I feel like she's not really saying what she wants to say that is not the same Cori Bush that we were introduced to and I think that's really sad but at the end of the day if they're if they don't like it if they're not comfortable and they don't like what the way they're being treated they can step down they are not being held hostage you know so apparently they're okay with it enough to continue doing what they're doing and and i think that's really the the sad part yeah it really is and it's um it, you know i guess they say truth is stranger than fiction um you know i the green party in my city in portland oregon was doing pretty good for a while there they were like getting marijuana legalized and um, they still do good work, um, but, you know, weird things happen there, like weird people join with weird agendas that are really bizarre. I see weird things in the DSA, and I just have to wonder, you know, how much the, like, FBI or whatever might be involved in counter, you know, COINTELPRO kind of stuff, because I feel like there's a lot of that, because, I mean, you know, like, the DSA, does its roots is not from the radical left the roots are from the like moderate left for historically and that's kind of true to this day uh like the portland chapter is a bit is known to be the one of the more radical extreme ones but even in my chapter there's a lot of pro capitalist socialists mm -hmm. really disappointing to see and it's like you just don't i just don't organize with them but we you know sometimes we work on the same ballot measure or something like that gathering signatures so that's well, why it's worth it to me because I feel like I can actually contribute. Yeah. And I think the local chapters are different from national based on what I've heard from people. I've I've not heard good things about national DSA. And I think that um, you know, that that is part of the problem. Uh, but I will also say this. Even in Boston, the DSA chapter here did protest against Joe Biden um about the railroad uh workers. And they were joined with union organizers and other union members. And I thought that that was great, but I do think there was a point that was missed there. And it, the fact that it wasn't just Joe Biden, you know, I mean, we, we talked about this tonight on stream. It also AOC and Cori Bush, the way that they voted that, you know, what does that say? What does that tell you? So they were strike, they're strike breakers at this point. They can't deny it. They keep trying to spin it a different way. At least AOC is. We did exactly what they wanted us to do. That's not what the union members are saying. So I think it's just. <sighs> yeah, you know, the DSA doesn't endorse radical people who do run for office generally. Like, did they endorse Matthew Ho? Because he was green. They're just like, yeah, they're, they're a lot more moderate than I think people realize. And they're obviously infiltrated. 
I mean, they've been around since the 80s, like what, I think 82. I'm sure the FBI has got its, its fingers in national, I feel like. I mean, I don't know. What do I know? Conspiracy theory. DSA has been around since the 80s? Yeah, I think 80, I think 82. Wow. That's crazy how I never heard of it until like years ago. Very interesting. Very interesting. Uh, Case, I know you wanted to say something about uh, DSA as well. Just have to unmute. Yeah, so I was talking to my buddy Kimberly, who ran for state in Rhode Island, and she's part of the DSA chapter in Rhode Island. And she she told told me about how DSA Nationals sucks up like the majority of the dues up to Nationals and and leaves the chapters with very little amount of money so that's that's one of the bad things that uh dsa does and then um also i think lucy was talking about how dsa national didn't allow for a dsa branch chapter and and that's the very reason why i created the mutual aid political party to have teams where you don't have to wait on this it's not going to be a national or not necessarily a national like head above that's telling people below what to do you know the whole structure is for it to start from that team's level down so lucy can you know they can start their own chapter and then it's from then they they can create their own e-board they can maybe they decide if they don't want to have a president of that team they can decide everybody's equal they can do whatever they want you know i think that that's what's going to make be the secret source this idea. And by the way, now I can uh, finally announce that mutualaidparty.org is live and it has a, a place where you can put in your email. Now, when I say it's live, doesn't mean that we launched the website yet. So I, I'm still aiming for early next year so that it's a fully functional where everybody could create tickets for mutual aid. But as of right now, it's just like a splash page where you can go see an about us and, and then you can Put in your email so that when we do launch, you'll get that email. Yes. Hey, hey, Case, I got a suggestion for you. If you sure. haven't already thought of it, I don't know. Sure. But what if the mutual aid party starts a credit union and that credit union funds and the mutual aid money for you know the money for the mutual aid vis-a-vis businesses and the mm. bank itself? Yeah. Oh, definitely. There's going to be a. Uh, you know, there's going to be phases. That's how I want to I want to describe it. So everything can't happen at once. So yeah, the, yeah. the different phases. The first phase is getting the website up, and and allowing people to sign up, and start doing mutual aid with each other, and then we'll go from there to the next phase. Because I'm not even uh, thinking yeah. about the systemic change side, which is electoral politics and all that stuff. I'm thinking more of let's just get the site started with mutual aid, and then we could grow from there, Marco. Yeah, I, well, by the way, I'd like to volunteer to do that because uh, I'm a software developer. Oh, cool. Uh, so I think, did you reach out to me before? Yeah. We, we, I DM'd you before. Yeah. Okay, I didn't know you were a software developer, so definitely I'm going to talk to you on the side. Definitely need to chat. Yeah, and I could, like, volunteer the development as mutual aid. Awesome. I, I need, uh, yeah, we need to chat. I'm not going to go into too, deep, too much details here because um, I don't want to take up the time but yeah, yeah let's yeah. let's chat mm-hmm. yeah i should go by the way too i've been on the mic a lot thank you everybody have a good night much love marco 
Cool beans. All right, let's go ahead and bring in uh, Dorian. You are on the mic. Just have to uh, hit the unmute button. Uh oh. Dorian? Let me try to uh, make you um, a speaker. Someone just said in the chat that Killer Mike just started a bank. I don't know what that's all about. But that's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, I do believe he he, he did start a bank, like a black-owned bank. I don't know how Holy many assets God. they have, but yeah, I heard that too. Okay, guys, uh, one more quick update. The race is tied again. It's 50-50, 91% in. Go ahead, Dorian. Oh, I think I know what happened. Sorry, Dorian. I think I hit the volume. That's why I can't hear you. Oh, oh sorry about that. I can hear you now. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Well, all right. Thank you. Um, so sorry about that. Uh, I had some issues with the app earlier. Uh, Welcome first, to the club. Thank you for your space. <laughs> thank you for letting me uh, actually talk to you a little bit about this because it's been such a disappointing week <laughs> when uh, I feel like I really had to take a step back a little bit, you know, watching democracy die a little bit. And then having people such as AOC and the squad, only one member of the squad to vote against the railroad, the railroad workers strike. How I, and these people are supposed to be the ones that are defending us. Uh, and and for sick days, no less. Mm-hmm. And should the DSA kick them out? Absolutely. The only reason to keep them is political. I agree because I actually think, I don't know if it would matter much to AOC and Cori Bush, but I think if the DSA did remove them, I think it would send a strong message. Yeah, it certainly would send a message. And and then the message is going to be loud and clear that AOC, the squad, like they're not doing anything for us. <laughs> the mm -hmm. ideas like the social tenants, like they're not even fighting for those. They're not fighting for Medicare for all. You don't hear a word. You don't hear them fighting for like, you don't even hear him fighting for the minimum wage. You don't hear him fighting for anything. I'm telling you, I really believe they were probably, again, I don't know for sure because I don't have access to them. And sometimes I really believe that they were told to be quiet. Sometimes I wonder, it's like, what do we have to do as people? And I think about like, okay, so five years. You've not been. You've been in here five years. You're going to get a salary for one hundred seventy-four thousand dollars for the rest of your life. When are you going to work for us? I'm like, how much is going to cost? If if that's if there's a price, maybe we should just put up the money. Mm. I can it, see it that. Seems like, it seems like there's a cost. Like, what's it going to take? Because obviously, what we're doing and hoping and pleading and begging for them. It's just not working. So if it's if it costs like 
okay, if it's going to cost $20 million <laughs> to get you to get, to get the votes that I need to, that's because that's what these businesses are thinking. I look at, I look at the contracts, right? The government spends money every year and they lobby every year and they may put in a, let's say a couple billion dollars, but they net hundreds of billions of dollars. Mm-hmm. No, I, I so agree. If I agree they're buying you. them, why are we buying them? At least that's how it feels at this point. It doesn't feel like we can vote to have a democracy. If we have to buy it, then maybe we need to collectively put some funds together. It seems sad. It's a good point. Like, yeah, this week, it, it has really been like, uh, actually, I'll go back to last Friday. It has definitely been a, uh, a a pretty stressful week in reference to news. Um, I mean, between the railroad workers situation, the Twitter files situation, uh, and this crazy runoff that's happening right now, it's just been it's been a lot. Um, I I didn't even get a chance to because I pick my stories. I usually pick my news stories the night before. So I didn't even get a chance to talk about the Trump thing. Of course, I found out about that, like, right before I went live. And my SEO stuff was already done. So I couldn't just, like, jump in and change. Plus, I don't like just jumping in to do stories if I haven't done research about it. But um, I mean, it has I been want to ask you, Sally, like, how do you feel about the precedent that this the, uh, the president set with this railroad strikers and, like, and future negotiations with, like, corporations and, you know, people bargaining? Like, we don't have any bargaining power is essentially what they're saying. That is why I am having a stout. I'm having myself a a beer right now. Like, I'm not even joking. I'm serious because, like, it has been a really stressful. But I got to tell you, I got to tell you this as well. This is exactly why we keep saying we need a general strike. This is exactly and, why, and because what, I, I don't know like, what else is going to work at this yeah, point. They're, they're really our force in the hand and they're doing it in such a blatant way. It's, it's like they're literally spitting in our face and daring us. Yes. I feel like they're really like pushing people to a brink and it's just like, oh, let's see. Let's see what, how, how far you guys are um willing to go. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just. I feel like they're just laughing in our faces at this point. And that's why, like, some people get upset, like, when I criticize, like, Bernie Sanders and the squad so much. And I'm like, nah, because they were the ones that were supposed to fight for us. So when yeah, people ask like me, like, why why aren't you now. mad at the, yeah, they're like, why aren't you mad at the Republicans? And I'm like, who's the president? You know what I'm saying? Like, who's the president right now? Joe Biden exactly. is president. Who had control of the House? Well, had control of the House? The Democratic Party. Like, there's so many other things that they could have tried to get done within those first two years, but they did that same playbook as Barack Obama did. Same playbook. You had the House, Senate first two years. Let's not try to pass anything significant. Let's wait until the Republicans take over either the House or the Senate and then say, well, we couldn't do it because we didn't have control of the House and the Senate. It's clear that game is just like so obvious and in our face. I think millennials get it, but for some reason, like these boomers, and I, I'm going to say boomers because I find it's mostly them. That <laughs> they, it, it's 
they just don't, it's the same pattern. Like you don't see this or, or have you just accepted this? I mean, to some degree, like they're comfortable, like some of them, <laughs> to be honest, like they, they think like, in all honesty, if you really were to look at the numbers, the American dream worked for them, but it came at a cost and it's, we're paying it. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. I'm going to bring in uh, Brady here as well. Uh, Brady, you're on the mic. Hello, Sabby. Thank you so much for being here on behalf of Sean and the whole world. Sean lost his vocal cords, but he just wants to say thanks for doing this, and we all appreciate this. And I apologize for going DEFCON 1 on the three most popular religions on the planet last time. I'm going to try to check my emotions and keep it pertinent and germane and um, yeah, I mentioned that Killer Mike just opened uh, his own bank called Greenwood, and I managed to sign up for it like a year ago, and I just got the email like last week saying that I got accepted so I can actually open a bank account with him now. So I'll let y'all know more about that as I, you know, learn more. Um, and I was thinking of like, you know, 2022 is over. We got two years till the next presidential election. We have no idea what we're doing. We have no idea who's running. Like we're going into this blind, we're walking blind into the government narrative and we can't let that happen. We need to be taking a part in the narrative ourselves. So I think it's really important that we start considering who we would like to see run for president and what kind of qualities we'd like to see in the person running for president, like who that is and, and then start holding everyone to that standard. And so the few, very few names, this is a very difficult question for anyone to answer these days. Um, but the very few names I've managed to scrape up is Brianna Greyjoy. You know, some people would like to see her run for president. Um, Kashama Sawant. Uh, there's someone first named Zephyr. She seems to be doing some really good work, seems really sharp, uh, has a lot of uh, potential. Personally, the name, the one that I came up with recently was Killa Mike. I think Killa Mike would be... Uh, Every time I saw him in the Bernie campaign talking with Bernie Sanders, I was like, will they please just sit Bernie Sanders down and just give him the mic? Like, let just let him take over the whole campaign. You know, I think if Killer Mike was to run for president, I mean, he would he would be able to hold a rally and then host the music at the same time with the same mic afterward. You know what I mean? Like, it would be the coolest thing. I think he's probably busy with his bank, but there's got to be someone. There's got to be more names we can add to this list. And, um, yeah, Zephyr Teachout, I think, uh, was the, uh, other one who was mentioned. I'd love to know more about her myself and that's it. I'm gonna pass the mic. What do you guys think? So I know Shama Sawant can't run for president. Uh, yeah. Um, she was, I believe I asked her this question because this question has come up a couple of times. Like, I don't think she was born in the U S got that. Um, but she can run for Congress. Uh, I did ask her if she would primary challenge Pramila Jayapal. Uh, and she said it's not her decision. It's a Marxist organization and they decide who they think is best to run. Um, so there's that one. Uh, Zephyr Teachout. Uh, I feel like, Case, you mentioned it in the chat. Do I know this person? I feel like I do. Yeah, she ran a couple times, right? That's the only thing that kind of would have me down on her is that she ran for AG, and I think she lost to um, Tish James. 
Uh, I th- oh, no, no, no. I don't know if she ran that particular time, but she ran for AG of New York. I wish, um, I wish what's the name was here. Um, our friend Roger was here. But yeah, she ran like at least three times. She even ran in for the house one time. And, um, and I Roger, think she yeah. had to run for yeah, of he, New York. He, well. Roger can let us know what's up. Um, and, uh, you know, when I first came here, uh, I was originally kind of thinking maybe Jesse Ventura would be a good president. And then Sabrina had him on and gave him the savvy vibe check. And then we've come (laughs) a long way since then. We've come a long way since then. So, um, if you could have Zephyr on and then kind of float the idea to her, like, Hey, would you consider running for president? And could we ask you some questions? Like, uh, as if you were running for president, like just as a, as a thought experiment for fun, like let's pretend you're running for president. How would you answer these questions? And something like that. Let's start getting people in that mindset of like, who we're going to pick, who we're going to stand behind, who wants to do it. And what are we looking for? I will look up Zephyr. Also, she was the person that was part of Bernie Sanders campaign that she wrote that article saying that um, Joe Biden was corrupt. And then uh, Bernie Sanders came out and denounced his own staff, his own person, which was that Zephyr Teachout who created that article. And, and he denounced her and said, oh, but, you know, Biden's my friend or whatever. It was a very sad moment. Yeah, and oh, I don't. This is the honestly I learned about her today. Today is the first time I've heard her oh, name. Really? Yeah, it's, yeah. She's a very she's a very smart person. Way. I believe she's a professor. She wrote a couple books on a monopoly, and she she's very uh, good, very wonky, like a almost like Elizabeth Warren, but more progressive. Probably I would kind of um say yeah. Beautiful. Wait, her last name mic. is actually her last name is actually Teach Out. Yep. Teach out, Zephyr. Teach out. She wrote like three different books. Cool name. Yeah. Yeah, we can have the Red Hot Chili Peppers do the soundtrack. (laughs) And I think she's a professor, so that's an ironic name. Yeah. (laughs) Listen, listen. That sounds like a cool name for a band, Zephyr. Teach out. Yeah. I'll I'll write songs about her. I'm I'm on it. But uh, I'm going to pass the mic. But thank you again so much for doing this, Abby. And I encourage everyone to invite your friends to call in. Host rooms yourselves and uh, organize and make stuff happen. Well said. Well said. All right. I am bringing in Lance. You are on the mic. Oh, shit. What I do? I think I skipped people. Balls. I have to come back and pick up uh gary i I did i don't know what i did go uh, go ahead lance gary we'll bring you in too oh you sure yeah gary i'll um what i'll do is i'll invite gary to speak as a speaker but go ahead lance yeah cool how you doing savvy i'm doing all right like i said i'm having a a a stout it is called can I interrupt just to say that it has been projected that Raphael Warnock is the winner? Just was uh, announced. Wow. Oh, I see it now. 50.4%, yep. 49.6%. So we had a runoff. Now we'll have the recount, right? No, I don't think so. I, I, I would hope there wouldn't be another. <laughs> <laughs> no, I hope not. Like the only person who won was Raphael Warnock, not the people of Georgia. Yeah, wow. 
Yeah. Um, but go ahead, Lance. Yeah. You said you're drinking a stout? Yes, it's by Three's Brewing. Oh. Yeah. I think stout is the Guinness Brewery. I'm about to have some white wine soon, but um Yeah. You know what I wanted to really mention? And I, I, I left I don't know, Rogers in the in the queue or in the um gallery, but I wanted to speak to him because I, I, I don't know if I sounded before. Thank you for letting me you know, network about my, uh, my, my project and all that. I'm not going into that. I thank you very much last time for that. And, um, oh, Zephyr Teachout, by the way, she is wonderful. She ran for, I'm in New York, so, you know, you get some of the, you know, press here that they covered her. And, uh, she was, she's great. She's wonderful. She, she, she should run for governor president again. But, um, yeah, so, I on this project, you know, so I want to reach out to Roger about state state government. I think there is a way to take uh, state government over, and like we're on the same page. I don't know how he knows this from Long Island. He's very astute, obviously, about state politics. That upstates where it's at, you know. And I say this all the time about working with Trumpers; they're pretty normal, and not just Trumpers. I mean, just people that don't vote, and even mainstream Democrats or progressive. But there's a lot of there's a lot of fertile ground, not just agriculturally up here, up you know, in central and upstate New York. It really is where it's at, as he said, you know. Now, here's the thing. Because of this uh, phase two, and you know, I'm 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 like you know, Bohemian Duban. Lance, can you hear me? Okay, I can hear you now. Oh, okay. No, I said my Rolodex. It's like hustlers and con men and you know drug dealers, etc. It's not the kind of Rolodex, <laughs> proverbially speaking, that's going to be networking with people that are in the position to help me out with grants or with uh, loans or whatever. She said I could even get a bank loan through helping with her helping me get them. Ba ba ba. Fine, but I'm going to be talking to different people that are just the perfect kind of people. I'm going to be doing this anyway. In other words, I could say, Hey, by the way, you want to run for office. You want to work with somebody who if we, if Roger and I, whoever wants to f- try to find folks um, that want to run because the two groups that she put me and said, you got to talk to these people, tell them I sent you. Uh, and she's wonderful. This Faye Williamson score. One's the Gifford foundation. They're like a local Rockefeller foundation. Anytime you see a do gooder group doing something, their names all over it. Which is great, you know. Fine, they put they do a lot of good stuff. Uh, they're tendy. They would tend to be more establishment. That might be the kind of people are. And I'm not saying this crit, crit, critically. I'm just saying they're probably like older, more establishment board of directors types folks. Uh, which is specifically the part of the foundation that she said I should talk to the people that are looking to get on boards of directors. Maybe it's young people that want to establish themselves. Maybe it's people that are retired like she is who want to help folks coming up and want to be on board. I don't know. My, my point is that they're probably a little more establishment. Now, the other group she said to talk to was the SU Law Clinic. And they look for people. They want, they, they know. She's just people that she's worked with. This is the point. There's a needle in a haystack somewhere that I can, but she's going to network me with the five or six things out of the five or six hundred that might be out there. And this is what's so great about having a mentor like this. She, she knows exactly what, what I need to do from here as much as she loved my proposal. And the thing is for Roger or anybody else that wants to talk is that, uh, you know, this SU law clinic, those are you know, young lawyers. Young law students just coming out of law school. They got the progressivism. They got the idealism. They have the energy. 
they, you know, they might want to run for local office. They might want to run for state senator and state office. So it's just the exact people that I'm going to be dealing with anyway. Schlep that I am, you know, I have to, you know, get my cleanest, dirty shirt out of the laundry here and, uh, you know, and, and be, be a respected boy when I meet some of these folks. But, uh, I'm going to be dealing with that world. That is why I've have been able to do a kind of a business thing. It's hard to do if you're not networked with kind of established people you got to deal with folks that are that are already in the in the mix you know but you know for anybody that's interested you know it's like this is just the kind of people that are going to be looking to run for office and they're going to be progressive types because of the kind of thing that i'm trying to do so you know it's a a fertile ground for i think for potential like candidates and stuff interesting interesting that sounds great, Lance. Um, I want I want to make sure I bring in um Gary because I I skipped over Gary like way skipped over. Um, thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Lance. Okay, Gary, you are on the mic. Just have to unmute. Hey, what's going on, Sabs? Hey, what's up? Doing well, doing well. Um, so just uh, unfortunately. Um, this situation regarding DSA and sort of taking stock of the integrity and, and the commitment that some of its membership, even elected membership, have to to their ideals is is something that comes up, you know, on our kind of our side of, the, of politics, whatever side that is, um, all the time. And and I feel like people are not really paying attention to the litmus tests and how people respond. And uh, when people show you who they are, it's very important that you that you listen because then you might end up two years later kind of uh, missing the signs that should have told you exactly what you should expect. And I, I, I would say mm-hmm. that there's two major litmus tests that sort of identified what we would and would not get from the squad. Um, this may be a little provocative, but you know, I'll, I'll go there anyway. Um, over the last couple of years, and when, like I said, this is all through the framework of quote unquote leftism or being um, populist, pro labor. Um, arguably, the the probably biggest labor action of our lifetime was the Freedom Convoy in Canada, and mm-hmm. what did and what did and what did what kind of response did we get from like, you know? the the quote unquote leftist establishment type, they demonized it and tried to basically destroy it and cheered its like illegal um, repression. So when you look at one of the biggest labor actions, pro labor actions of all time, what our heroes, what would their response? Either silence or demonization. And when you talk about on the other side of it, the biggest attack on the labor movement, the labor force, labor rights of our lifetime. You're talking about vaccine mandates, which a court in New York actually, when it it came to suing firefighters, ruled that the mandates and firing the the, uh, firefighters was illegal. So illegal mechanisms through which to arbitrarily fire people. And where were many of these so-called leftists, either quiet or in favor of this, of literally the greatest assault on labor of our lifetime. So when you look at the litmus test and the responses to the litmus test, 
it there's no surprise we gotta understand like these people are fraudulent like these people are not real not only don't they care about the working class and working people like they have they actively have contempt for them and they're enemies of the of working people or they or they'll simply watch them suffer and be harmed and not raise a a finger to do anything and so we i feel like we got even bernie sanders so I feel like we got all the information we needed to get over the last... Mm-hmm. You want to talk about the last two years being enlightening to anybody who's paying attention? We, we, I feel like we have all the answers we need to get. I feel like a lot of people need to be more Jimmy... You need to get a lot more Jimmy Dore in them. A lot of people think Jimmy Dore is crazy because he's got that righteous anger. You know, I think a lot of people need to get a lot more Jimmy Dore in them. You know, it's not nihilism to kind of just understand that the people that are supposedly your heroes, you know, have no clothes. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, the emperor is standing there buck naked. And it's, it's sometimes it's easier to just pull the, the Band-Aid off immediately and admit to yourself. Because like I said, in politics, a lot of people love to have heroes. There was nothing more exciting than going to Prospect Park and rooting for Bernie Sanders in 2016. Oh, that was exciting. It was invigorating. It was inspiring. Everyone loves to have heroes. But when they tell you who they are, Sometimes it's just easy to just say, you know what? I'll take the L. You know, I don't need to have a hero that's not real. You know, so I think people need to stop folk. And that's another thing that should be the inspiration. The Freedom Convoy was a global inspiration because it yep. wasn't reliant on politicians. There was no hero politicians at the front of it. It was people. It was workers who were at the front of it. Mm-hmm. And that was the difference. And that's why it was so inspirational because people on the ground level could see themselves in those people. And they weren't just talking about it. They weren't just waiting for someone to lead them. They weren't waiting for their Bernie Sanders. They got in their trucks and they made a move. You know? And and like I said, the energy was and the energy around that was beautiful. And unfortunately they didn't get they didn't get the support from where they should have. They got the support from, you know, Republicans. And that's crazy that the only people who would support them are Republicans, while Democrats call them Nazis. And then people on the left started to smear them. And I think I even talked about it back then. And I said, whether you agree with what they're protesting over or what they're striking over, whether you agree with it or not, they have the right to strike. They have the right to protest. And I sat there and I watched People on the left, some people on the left, try to make this about the, a culture war issue. That, like, if you support what they're doing, then you must be right wing. This protest had nothing to do with left versus right. And the truckers had every right to protest. And you're right. That was the largest labor movement that we had in this country in the past two years because the Amazon, don't get me wrong, the Amazon union, that was huge as well. But that's one location. Whereas the truckers, do you know how many people that affects if the trucker, when the truckers say, no, we're, we're not moving and you need us to move because you need us to ship the goods. This escalated so greatly. That Justin Trudeau, he stepped in and said, I'm going to freeze your bank accounts. That's how the, and I I will tell you guys this right now, a word to the wise, which my dad told me 
um, many years ago. Always make sure that you have some cash on hand, whether it's tucked away in a safe space in your house or whatever, always make sure that you have it because in the event, and this happened to me a couple years ago, Bank of, Bank of America, something happened with Bank of America and Target. I'll never forget this. Apparently, if you had, you had a Bank of America card and you had used it at Target, there was some type of, some type of, um, I guess like a hack or something that happened there, right? And so all of us that had Bank of America, we couldn't use our, we couldn't use our cards. I couldn't go to the ATM. I can use my card in the store. So I had to go. I remember going to the bank uh, branch and asking them if I could take out money and I couldn't take out money either. Now that lasted for a couple of hours, but that's not the point. What that taught me is that we are too dependent sometimes on technology and these electronic systems. And so what that tells you again is that you see what happened with the trucker convoy, right? how he wanted to freeze their bank accounts. This is why you should have cash stashed away in a very private place where no one else can get to it but you. Because that could happen to any of us. That could happen to, let's say the railroad workers do go on strike. Let's say they try to do a wildcat strike, which could also mean that they may not still be in the union. Let's say they do that. What would happen if President Biden came in and said, I'm freezing all your bank accounts? You see what I'm saying? Well, I think the support will be based on um, whether or not they're vaccinated. That was a joke. Uh, but I mean, <laughs> I joke, that was a little dark humor because at the end of the day, you know, um, if, when you talk about the, the truckers and whether or not people support their mission, if you're pro-labor, you support their mission because one thing you support is the power of the worker um, having leverage in any employment dynamic and not increasing the power of the employer to have to be able to arbitrarily fire employees, which is exactly what they're fighting against. They're fighting against unfair working conditions and they're in the employer seeking more power and greater latitude to arbitrarily fire employees. So do you want to talk about the greatest attack on the leverage that labor has in their agreements with their employers, that was it. And so their fight was was a pro-labor fight. And unfortunately, like I said, it's a lot of people just un didn't understand the greater implications. And thus, a lot of people wanted to give away a lot of, a lot of all the leverage, really. If, it, if, if you want to give your employer the ability to just arbitrarily include, uh, uh, just institute different, different, um, standards of your employment and Medias race, then basically you, you've ceded all your leverage. Because now what stops them from creating new, new, new standards and new policies in the middle of things and change the contract and change the, the nature of the agreement in order to fire their employees en masse, which is what happened. Thousands of people en masse for, some, for something that literally was a brand new standard of, uh, for their employment. And like I said, it's it, like I said, mm -hmm. if people didn't didn't know better than to stand, tend to stand against that, I wouldn't trust them to lead or to support people who would literally have to do the same thing when it came to the railway workers. The, the logic against the, the the railway workers is the same logic that was used against the truckers. 
that they're too important to the economy to to be allowed to stop. And that's right. I, yeah, and it's like, so that's why it's like the hypocrisy kind of bugs me because I rem- I remember hoping that for the sake of the labor movement, people leftists supported the truckers because I was like, hey, if you don't support this, then the next thing that comes along, people are not going to believe you, and, mm. and the credibility is just is not there when it comes to the so-called like American left. Credibility is not there. Because like I said, you have a lot of people who talk, but when the push comes to shove, and when, like I said, when the litmus tests are presented, it's like, hey, should we use, just arbitrarily pick like, you know, any, mini miny, mo? let's pick OSHA to institute policies to rent, to arbitrarily fire workers. It's like that they don't have the right to do that. It's okay. Let's support it anyway, because that's what the Democrats want to do. So you're weakening the leverage of workers because that's what the Democrats want to do, even though OSHA has no purview over like deciding what workers put in their bodies. Like I said, it's the things that that we were for that a lot of people put up with. I think there needs to be a reckoning one that those kinds of judgment judgment calls were mistakes, and that we need never and we can never make those mistakes again before the credibility is restored. Otherwise, like I said, it just looks like a bunch of hypocrites who don't have principles. Well, you know what the problem was, Gary, is that some people tried to say, well, Jimmy Dore supports it, so it's right wing. That was a big part of the problem. Like people trying to say, uh, connected to a podcaster. So you had half people that are on the left per se, supporting the truckers. And then you had half the people on the left not supporting the truckers because they're like, oh, it's it's about vax mandates, so we can't support that. Uh, it was really interesting to me how many people were willing to go against the workers. They exactly. were just willing to go against the workers. And I'm like, are you guys blind? Do you not understand whether you agree with vax mandates or not? As a worker, and they are in a union, they have the right to go on strike. And this is another example that shows you how people let the cult, they get easily distracted by the cultural issue, the culture war, and they're not even paying attention to the labor issue. It's sad. sad. But like I said, I hopefully I hope people grow. But I don't I don't I doubt it. Like I said, if you people are willing to cede so much authority. And that's a, that's a great irony. People are willing to cede so much authority to the government, to corporations, and yet talk tough about, you know, smashing the system. I'm like, talking, talking tough about smashing the system is all well and good, but you literally empowered employers to fire people en masse. Like, you're not trying yep. to smash any system. You're trying to empower the system to smash you. And the system did smash. It wasn't just that in theory, like the system literally smashed labor in a major way over the last two years and you let it happen and we're part of the problem. And the way a lot of people on the other side of that who were victims of the smashing see these, you know, people who like to talk, you know, in an abstract about smashing the system and about leftism, they see them like, like that, um, as though they're the, um, that person who worked for Eric Adams who was caught by Project Veritas kind of revealing exactly how they felt about unvaccinated people who were fired. 
It's like that they quit and F them. Like that's how the people who lost their jobs and were put on unemployment for not getting vaccinated see like PMCs and left and, you know, LARPing leftists, as I call them, who claim to be pro-worker. They see you as that guy who says, who literally has contempt for actual workers who are being mistreated because of policies you support. That's right. And I want to remind everyone, even Professor Richard Wolf came out in support of the truckers uh, protest. You know, he's really big on labor uh, as well, too. And it was just it was just very weird to me. Like, I'm just like, man, some of these people, either some of you, some of you guys, like you were for it. You were for labor and working class people. And then you started to change your mind based on the culture war. Or some of, some of these mofos were ops, Gary. Like, I'm just keeping it real. Like, I think some of these people were not legit from the get-go. Yeah, that's the, that's the, the name of my next book. And by next, I mean first. How, how race baiters ruin everything. Every time people are trying to have a serious, principle-based conversation about forced to vote or about truckers or about protests, there's always these people who just randomly pop out of the out of crevices of reality and say, well, uh, let me see, can I only 1% of the people there are black, so I don't think I can support it. And do you have any black trans women around? No? Okay, well, I can't support it then. And I'm like, who are you? Like, why are you bringing tribalism into this conversation all of a sudden? <laughs> like, what are you doing? Like, you're aging the chaos. Like, it's like tribalism is the, is the death of, of solidarity. And they, they're the ones that are always trying to bring that into to any conversation that it literally, like, rests on solidarity. Any any conversation, any movement that rests on solidarity, you have these weird race baiters who just all of a sudden just show up and start trying to, you know, bring the tribalism into it. And it's like, you, you, you would think that, like, intelligent people would just ignore those people or mock those people. But the only people who mock those people are people on the right, like the Candace Owenses of the world. And everything she says is wrong. So, of course, let the race baiters reign. And it's kind of like, you know, what are we going to do? Race baiters ruin everything. That's my next book. Yeah, and I just wanted to say that that was another missed opportunity because, you know, it was also could have become an even bigger transportation strike. So... We already had the truckers, you know, now we have the railroad. So I'm guessing the next thing will be the ports, <laughs> you know, like, That's like what I'm all of these opportunities are kind of lining up. And every time we miss one and people get divided over it, it and, um, you know, the, the, all of these alleged socialist groups, socialist alternative, by the way, who like, I actually signed up to find out more about them because I, I, I learned about Shama and then I, I saw that ad about how they're supporting the Hong Kong protests um, re- regime change in China so I, I don't even trust socialist alternative either like I, I don't I don't understand what these groups are about um, it, it, to me it seems at this point like anything with socialist in the title is either just there to kind of trap people and divert them into another direction. I feel like we'd have more success if we just avoided the label entirely and, you know, just talked about issues. 
Funny, funny enough, you say that. I remember a few years ago, like five, six years ago, I started going to ISO meetings, and I stopped going because literally they started like asking me for like fifteen hundred dollars to go to Chicago. And I was like, "Why do you need fifteen hundred dollars to go to Chicago?" And I was like, "What is this about? Like, what do you guys do?" Like, I remember having a policy conversation with someone, and it just seemed like it was. It was more navel gazy than it was like actually thinking about things in a logical way. And but then the whole idea that every time I went to a meeting, like someone and then multiple people were asking me for fifteen hundred dollars. I'm like socialists, like you guys have a high overhead. Like what? I don't know what you guys are doing, socialists. But I, I don't know if this is a real situation that you guys got going on. You know. And so it's interesting that you say like so anything with socialists in the title. I'm not. I don't really know if it's it's. It's real socialism, or if it's just a grift, you know. But. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that word's used a little bit more loosely nowadays <laughs> than yeah. how how it's supposed to be used. Uh, I think that's part of the problem as well. Um, but Gary, thank you so much for calling in. I, I want to get to some of the other callers as well, but uh, awesome. spot on, spot on. Like, awesome. That no, good conversation. God bless. Big chance. Thank you it so much. We lost a lot. God bless. Hmm. All right. Um, I'm going to bring in Hector. I'm going to make you the next caller. And uh, Greg, we got Greg Bruce and Roger. Feel free to jump in. You'll just have to unmute yourself. Uh, what's up, Hector? Hi, Savvy. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Oh, great. I'm actually a former DSA member. I was a DSA member back in 2020 for about six or seven months. Oh, snap. And I can tell you exactly why AOC and Cori Bush are still members of the DSA. There is no mechanism to kick them out at all. Wait, so there's no process to remove a member from the organization? No, this actually came up before. This actually came up before. Um, I don't know if you covered this this story. It's kind of a local story, but in 2020, um, DSA had a lot of success locally and they ran some people in Chicago, and about five five of them won, I believe, or like city council. And one of them was named Andrew Vasquez. Uh, he was a he was a elderman, and he voted to increase the city budget, the the police budget in in the city of Chicago, and everybody was major upset. Everybody was like through the roof mad at him. Because, you know, we just come off the big protest in the Black Lives Matter, and it was at the forefront of everything people were thinking about. And so immediately people wanted to get, oh, by the way, the police budget in Chicago is like $1.7 billion. So we're talking about a lot of money. So people wanted to get rid of him. And there's actually a list of things, we, although it's like, a volunteer organization, basically. There's a list of things you can get kicked out for. There's nothing about being elected and voting away we don't like that you can be kicked out for. It's just not written down anywhere. So it's a very, it's very, it's, it's, it was very upsetting to members then, and I don't think they fixed the problem since then. There's just no way to kick them out. If there was, do you think they would? Um, the local chapters wanted to at least do something, but, um, 
I mean, obviously, if Nashville wants to, they would, they would. Although the chapters basically work independently, they have their, their own rules, but they're pretty, they're very much similar. If National wanted to have something done, they could have done something after this. I don't know if they have, but they would have, they would, there was nothing in place, and I'm assuming there's still nothing in place, because they did censure Andrew Vasquez. There was an official censure of him, and he still was a member after that, because there was nobody to kick him out. I think there's a fundamental problem with DSA. I think we're asking the wrong questions. Well, yeah. I mean, it's not whether we should kick them. Yeah. Well, let me, let me just go on. Let me explain what I'm getting at. It's not whether we should kick them out or not. It is, what is DSA? There's a lot of members that do not want, do not want to be a political organization. Okay, that's fine. And then on the other side of it, what is actually DSA doing? When you talk about Andrea Cortez and Cory Bush, you, you always mention that they're DSA members. And if you look, if you go and look, there's actually a lot of DSA members that have been elected to office. There's a long list of them locally, but only in the last couple of years. It's very recently this, is, this has happened. You got like members from 1975 and you got members from like 2019 and onwards that have been elected. So DSA is the wor- in the worst, is in the worst of positions. It's right in the middle. And I'll explain it like this. It's a hybrid car. It has the worst components of a combustion engine and the worst components of a uh, electric engine. And it needs to decide what it wants to be. And I think it should go in one or two ways. Either one, they decide they don't want to be a political organization at all. So when any member runs, let's say a DSM member decides to run, you should have a rule in place. As soon as the DSM member decides to run for elected office, they're immediately kicked out. Two, they don't endorse anyone. They only endorse issues. They endorse no persons at all, ever. And they do not campaign, door knock, or anything for anyone. They should do that. Or B, since they're already kind of going that way, they should fool out and go ahead and be a political organization that puts up candidates, runs for office. And there's a reason I think they should go this way because they're already kind of going that way anyways. Although it's not in their, it's not in their roots to do this. But if you look at people who've run and won, they're DSA members, but what political organization do they belong to? They don't belong to a DSA political organization. They belong to the Democratic organization. What party do they answer to? The Democratic organization. There's no mechanism to control them at all. They're not required to attend any meetings. There's no, they're, not requ- they, they're not required to give up any funding. They're not required to make any endorsements. They're not required to vote in any certain way. There's nothing. And I think what you can do, what you can do is if you become a political organization, which I think is what they should do, at least they should try, is that you can do stuff like Socialist Alternative does. I do believe that any member that wins the elected office automatically has to give 10% of their salary back to the organization. And they have to attend a certain amount of meetings. So you would at least have that already in your favor. I think you go, you can go even further with it. You can have like, if you run as a DSA member, you can even run under the Democratic Party just if you want to get ballot access, but you should have some, you could have a contract, a written contract where financials are on the line and it could be legally binding. As soon as you win an office, either as a Democrat or Republican or, or anything, you immediately denounce them and switch over to DSA or political organization. You just run on it just to get elected. And then as soon as you do, you, 
you drop your Democratic membership and you become DSA. That, that's one way to go about it. But I think they're in the worst world where now you got AOC and Cory Bush making them look very bad, very poor, with no way to account, give them any kind of accountability. Well, it's not just those two, Jamal Bowman, too, because at one point they were looking to try to get him out. They were calling for him to be removed because of the Iron Dome. Yeah. Right, right. Good point. You voted so, for the Israel, right? Right. So what happened with that? And and that's the other thing is just like, how are you an organization this big and you have no process to remove a member? What if your member, let's think about this. What if you have a member who got elected to office, let's say it's local office or whatever, and let's say this member assaults someone. There's no process to remove this person? He would have to assault another member at a meeting. <laughs> That's pretty much the only thing I can see. It Are just, you guys hearing this? This is crazy. Yeah. yeah, it's a very loose organization. But I, well, you know, wow. That's what I mean. Virtue, like liberal virtue signaling, you know, it's the worst of organizations. Like, you, it's literally, uh, you know, you show up, they tell you to, you know, introduce yourself with your crown pronouns 500 times. Right. Community agreements that are extremely long and confusing, where they literally tell people to basically shut up and listen to the less privileged person, as if you can always tell who the less privileged person is. Like, DSA is ridiculous in, in a multitude of ways. And they've always been like this. And um, their culture like is it it really is extreme liberal culture like they they really have to change if they want to become a working class organization but if they just want to be a political organization then they have to change for that too because they're very ineffective so anyway that's just i went i went to a, a few years ago i went to a couple of dsa meetings i just went there to talk about public banks um it was somewhere around Dr. King's birthday, so they was talking about Dr. King, um, you know, uh, being for workers, so on and so forth. But other than that, I got bored. I was like, this shit is boring. I'm falling asleep. There's no energy here. And I, I just never came back. I mean, that's, that's been my experience. With ahead. Um, but DSA, like like you said, um, uh, uh, sir, I, I forgot your name because I'm driving. Hector. Uh, Hector. Uh, they should stop endorsing candidates and just run ballot initiatives where they can. Just said, fuck it, we're just going to run ballot initiatives. I think that would be a more effective way of, of, That's of right. doing things. That's right. Well, I think I, they need to stop yeah. like endorsing candidates. I want to make sure um, we bring uh, Greg in here as well. Um, Greg, you have to uh, unmute. But I, I agree 100%. I think they need to really stop focusing on endorsing these candidates, especially if they don't have any kind of process to get rid of them. And if these candidates win, if they're giving money back to the organization, well, hell, they're never going to get rid of them because they're getting money from them. Go ahead, Greg. Um, you know, what, what was mentioned, I, th I think that something needs to be done about this because um, what was mentioned earlier is that DSA is looking bad. But in a way, they're also making the left look bad. Now, I don't care if the left looks bad to the right because we're going to. But um, what I mean is the left, the politically engaged left, looks bad from the perspective of someone who may lean left but is not engaged. Um, you know, getting involved with the left as it, well as they are perceiving it 
is just not too appealing. And then DSA is a part of that because, you know, the people who are somewhat informed are going to at least see DSA as something that represents the left. And we're just, we're making ourselves look like a bunch of idiots. I mean, I'm, like the whole thing about like, there's no apparatus to move someone from the organization, then it's just not a functional organization. Um, and so I think that the question becomes, do you, um, you know, like the classic question, do you reform it or do you kind of overthrow it? And I think that, you know, like socialist alternative or whatever, like, or maybe it's not just one, but I think that DSA needs to be replaced as like the, you know, uh, pseudo standard bearer for the left. You know, I was going to say say this really quick, Roger, and I'll go to you. I was just going to say like all these, the problem is too, with the exception of socialist alternative, because they do things differently, but DSA and Justice Democrats are pretty much connected. And and neither one of those organizations are holding these politicians accountable that have gotten in. So it's just like, I, I, I don't know. Like, I feel like this whole thing with DSA and Justice Democrats, I feel like this is just, these are just organizations that are bringing in a lot of freaking money. And I mentioned this on Rising this morning too. It was very strange to me. You guys know I talk about the money a lot. I could not find any donor information about DSA. I can find it about other organizations. I found it about Justice Democrats. I brought up those receipts multiple times on the show. But when it came to DSA, and there are what, a 501C? It was very strange. No donor information. What are these organizations really about? Like the fact that Justice Democrats came from being grassroots and decided to start taking like billionaire money, Sunrise Movement taking billionaire money, even the Working Families Party takes money from George Soros. See, these all these organizations, they keep saying they're grassroots, but they're taking money from billionaires. I can like, explain the DS- oh, I can explain the DSA side a little bit. Obviously, I don't have information to the donors at all. But basically, there is no money in DSA for for membership. Membership is five to ten dollars. That's what most people play. Some people who don't attend meetings but have good jobs will put in a hundred dollars per month. This is per month. And as far as I know, the only person that gets paid a salary is the national director. That's it. No one else. Nobody at the local level is getting paid anything. Hector. So there's yeah. You said um, you said the what director? The national director, the national oh, head of the, 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 the president, president, if you want to say it. president. Yeah, the basically <laughs> the, the head honcho. You said <laughs> the, the only one. As far as I know, they're the only one that collects a salary. So you said before that um, the they said the person who's closest to the pain uh, speaks first or something like that. You said they told you. I didn't say that. Someone else must have said that. Oh. Cause I, it's a quote. I've heard that quote before, though. Oh, oh, oh. Cause I'm, I would, I'm the type of person. If one of them said that to me, and I was there, I would have been like, "Oh, really? Okay, hold up a minute." I said, "Where are you going? Don't worry, I'll be back." I would have came back with 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 a drunk homeless person. Listen to him. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I said, since it's the person most closest to the pain and see exactly where they stood at. Otherwise they're just posing. You feel what I'm saying? They just posing. Yeah. 
what I said earlier, like, again, at least the chapter here in Boston is not representative of, of the working class or poor people at all. Most of the people that are a part of DSA here are professional managerial class or they're college students from Harvard, Boston College, Boston University, uh, MIT. Like, it just... Where are the working class people that really should be in the front of this organization? They really should be the ones leading it. Because if you're saying you're fighting for the workers, why don't you have people a part of your organization that work at Dunkin' Donuts? Why don't you have people a part of your organization that work at Starbucks? Where are those people? Yeah, I can say a little bit on that. Um, It is a very hegemonist group. It's very white. Is very college age about the reason for it. There's actually two groups of people. There's very old white men and very young people. And there's like nobody in the middle. That's because um, back in like 2015, there were like a local chapter might have like 15 members. After Bernie's failure to win in 2016, the numbers blew up by hundreds at the local chapters. Hundreds. So all the people there are almost brand new. You can almost think of DSA as not an old organization, but almost a brand new one that started in 2016 with all young people, all new ideas to push the old communist guard out. So it's a whole Mm. new group of people and they're coming from a system that let's say they're not learning a lot about socialism in college. So I don't know where they're learning it, but not everybody comes into it with the same level of leftism. There was one person who I highly respected in the organization very accomplished person. And she was one of the people who ran locally here as DSA member. And she said this to me and it, it, it made me just look at her funny. She was like, oh yeah, I'm happy to run as a Democrat because I voted Democrat my entire life. And I was looking at her really funny. I was like, you sure you're leftist? <laughs> and then I had people oh. go say, they had people telling me they're gonna vote for Biden. I was like, you can, Biden? <laughs> I was like, yeah. So yeah, I, they're not all the way there. So see, why are those people in DSA? Like that's what I'm confused about. And then another thing too, I've noticed too, in reference to Socialist Alternative, there are some people that I know of that are members of Socialist Alternative, and they're Democrat Party supporters. Socialist Alternative heavily denounces the Democratic Party. So why are you a part of Socialist Alternative? Are these infiltrators? Like there is something up here. There does something just not, it don't make no sense. Um, but yeah, like the, the Boston chapter here uh, for DSA, again, it, it is very, it's it's mainly white people. It's, it's white people and Asian people mainly. Uh, very yeah, Asian people, yeah, Asian people too. <laughs> yeah, but it's it just, um, it, it, they're speaking for a class that they're not a part of. The I will tell you at least this, they were very aware of it. But there wasn't any kind of program or anything to fix it. But they were very aware of the problem. <laughs> There's so, um, sorry, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Before you were talking about the Canadian truckers. Um, oh, that wasn't so, me, but go ahead. I, no, I, no, yeah. I, I mean, I'm just, before the conversation was yeah. talking yeah. about the Canadian truckers, right? And how, like, the, the TYTs and all these people, they could get behind them. Um, by by saying that they were waving, uh, if you remember, saying, oh, they're down with the Nazis or they're waving Nazi flags or 
I don't, you know, you, you remember when they were saying all that, right? So, you know, calling the Ukrainian, uh, the, ah, the truck is Nazis or whatever, right? Then when we go to actually financing Ukrainian Nazis, they downplay how many Nazis that we're financing. Where it's the whole goddamn army. So, you know, I don't know if anybody, you know, like uh, caught that or whatever the case was. Yeah, I'm glad you but, mentioned that, Roger, because that goes to show you the hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a there was a quote I I heard it recently. It was like, um, people are always willing to condemn Nazis, but now they're also willing to fund them. Kind of hypocritical. <laughs> and I I just want to say um, also oh yeah yeah so you asked so Brady was asking about um, Zephyr Teachout, um, and I will say. I don't want her to run for president. I want her to run for governor or attorney, running for attorney general again. Um, I remember, let me see. So she she primaried Cuomo in 2014. Okay. Cuomo hated her since then because that was his re-election, <laughs> his first re-election. And it was kind of his attitude, oh, how dare you? But then because she primaried him, he did, you know, he did a couple of left stuff. I forgot what it was. And then, um, then she ran for Congress and lost in 2016. And then she ran for Attorney General in 2018. Um, she was she's she's a big trust buster, and she was telling me because what happened was, you know, during that whole 2018 thing or whatever the case is, I remember um, uh, AOC. Zephyr Teachout um, and Jamani Williams came to um, came to where I lived at in, in Long Island, and you know, I spoke to both of them, so on and so forth. And um, I was talking to Zephyr Teachout, and she, I was just like, "Well, can an attorney general, a state attorney general, uh, trust us?" And she was telling me how I, I forgot exactly how she said it, or you know, like the technical stuff she was telling me about. But, um, you know, I, I definitely hope that she was going to be um, attorney general, right? But So what happened was Cuomo knew that if she became attorney general, he was go- she was going to come after him, okay? So he feared, he feared her so much. What he did was he got behind Letitia James and forced Letitia James to denounce the Working Families Party, thinking that he was going to be protected okay he's like oh i could do what i want if if because then you know like so she he gave james access to his uh corporate donor network okay not to mention the fact that she was heavily um uh, 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 oh yeah yeah she was heavily supported downstate because that's where she's from she was the former james was the form was the former um a, a, a public advocate. So what Zephyr Teachout decided to do was she said, okay, let me see if I could run the numbers upstate. And then Cuomo was like, oh, hell no. So what he did was he asked Sean Patrick Maloney to run for attorney general also to, to take votes away from her. Okay. And, and that's pretty much how, how like they, they fucked her pretty much. But lo and behold, what Cuomo didn't see was that James was going to come after him 
and get him out of there, help to get him out of there. And then when the her re-election was coming up this past month or whatever the case was, she didn't want no she didn't want no heat from Zephyr Teachout, so she hired her. So for um I forgot exactly what for, but something in the trust busting division or something like that. Um, but yeah, no, I mean she, I, you know, I she she she's she's a big trust buster. That's that's you know, I mean that's that's all she talks about. Like I talk about public banks, she talks about trust busting. Um, well, I want to make sure I bring in um, Hector. Thank you so much for calling in. I want to make sure I bring in um, thank you other peeps too. A quick question. Uh, where is uh, Zephyr T-shirt on defunding the police? I don't know. Um, <laughs> There's your answer. <laughs> I, I don't know. But she yeah, teaches just... at uh, Fordham University. Actually, no, she's working for a uh, thing now. She's working for it. She's no longer teaching at Fordham University in the Bronx. She's working with, for uh, Attorney General. Yeah, but, I just uh, know she, she, in the context of running for Attorney General, is something I was curious about. Ah, oh, got it. No, I was just paying attention to the trust busting thing. What's up, bad cookies? Uh, evening, uh, evening, Savvy. Evening, everyone. Um, I wanted to talk about the DSA thing, that, like uh, everyone else has. I'm glad Hector went on before me because what he said actually supports my take on the situation. I don't buy that whole. We don't have the rules to kick someone out. I think that's complete BS. Whenever an organization needs and wants to get rid of someone, they can do it. Let's say they had a bunch of child molesters that were found out being part of their organization. You don't think they're going to come up with the rules to get those people out of the organization? And that's mm. ridiculous. That's honestly ridiculous to think, oh, we just don't have the rules to do it. Uh, that's my take. Sorry, Hector, if you take offense to that, man. Uh, what I do want to say is I don't think they want to disown the squad because it is really the only thing DSA has to stand on. Uh, DSA, like Hector said, and like I said, I'm glad he went on before me because this supports it. Hector literally said when Bernie Sanders came around and started talking about DSA, uh, DSA their, uh, their subs boosted. They got subscriptions out the wazoo trying to catch up with uh, the Bernie Sanders movement. Uh, Bernie Sanders and the squad are tied to DSA. They are no, uh, the only notoriety DSA has is from the Bernie Sanders and the squad movement. If they ever disown the squad, that is the only notoriety they have. What else do they have to go off of if not for the squad? And that's a legitimate question for you, Savvy. If not for the squad, what else does DSA have to go on? Nothing. And that's the point that um, I forget who mentioned it earlier, but uh, the caller said this earlier that DSA has been around since like the 80s. I had never heard of this organization until Bernie Sanders. So exactly. you're right. Like that is the thing. I, I think that they have found a way to make this a part of their brand. And so, yeah, if they get rid of the squad members, then it's like they fade back into oblivion and people are like, okay, who is DSA? But right now, even the statement that they put out that letter and also the tweets that they put out, they put out as well, people are mocking them. People are mocking them on Twitter. They're like, you guys look like clowns because your members are going against the principles. And this has happened multiple times, not just once. And it's one thing to say that you don't agree and you're disappointed with them. But how many times are you going to disagree and be disappointed with them? 
remove them from the organization. Like that is one way you could shake things up with the squad. That is one thing you could shake because that would be an embarrassment because that would also send a sign to a lot of their supporters that like, oh shit, DSA uh, got rid of them because they're not upholding the principles. Okay, maybe they're just Democrats after all. I and would I agree. That more people need to see that. No, no, I agree with you, Sabi. The the optics of that, if DSA, let's say both DSA and the Justice Democrats came out and said, hey, we no longer have any ties with uh, the squad or anything of them. They obviously don't stand for what we stand for. Uh, we no longer want to be associated with them. Those optics would be pretty, pretty damaging to the squad, honestly. So I completely agree with you there. But that, that's all I wanted to share was that there's no way the DSA is the DSA and the Justice Democrats will never, ever abandon the squad because if they ever do, they have nothing left to run on. Uh, thanks mm. for your time. Sarah. Thank you so much, Bad Cookies. Um, that's a very good point. And I also want to bring this up as well. I know we mentioned DSA and Justice Democrats, but I'm going to keep it real. Our, our uh, revolution, they sold out to. Our revolution yep. after Bernie 2020, they now changed their message now they say that they're pragmatic progress. What? They are pragmatic progressives. Our revolution, that's another one that sold out. And that organization came directly from the Bernie Sanders movement for people who are not aware because it was Jeff Weaver. I believe this is his name. Yeah, Jeff Weaver was yeah. the one who started our revolution coming out of the Bernie Sanders campaign. And that was supposed to keep the momentum going for Bernie to run in 2020. And then right after 2020, our revolution was just like, we identify now as pragmatic progressives. What the hell is that? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I want to put something in the, in the, I want to put a link to my Dropbox in, in the chat. It is, um, it was, it was an article I had sent to you. Well, I sent to a whole bunch of people. It was a New York Times article. And it was talking about, because uh, you was talking about remote work. I, I know this was, I, I didn't mean to change the subject. It's just I'm about to pick somebody up. But regarding remote work and how people are leaving the cities and stuff like that. Um, well, pretty much the argument is for, make, to me, as far as I'm concerned, makes the case as to why a public bank is needed. It doesn't mention public banks in there, but they're talking about how, um, what is it? How uh, 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 with everyone leaving and a tax base leaving, uh, you know, like where are you going to get the money from? And it's either having to raise taxes to improve quality of life or. But if you did that, the business would leave so on and so forth. So I was just like, oh, a public bank would solve this. So, yes, that's all I want to say. Well, I'm putting awesome. in the chat. Thanks so much, Thanks so much Roger. Uh, Ashura, you have to unmute. I invited you as a speaker, but uh, go ahead, Case. I saw you on mute. Go ahead. I forgot Hello? the person that was there talking before, but I really like some of the ideas that he said, and I was even thinking about some some of the, those ideas as far as you know how you kick somebody out of a out of a group. And I was thinking, one of the things I was thinking of for the idea of work I'm working on is we would have a pre-primary, right, where we would, you know, you know how we're all waiting for, you know, um, 
ranked choice voting to be implemented in the country, et cetera, et cetera. Like, well, we could we could implement that ourselves and have a pre-primary. And there's also something called star voting that I'm, I'm interested in as an alternative to um, ranked choice voting. But anyway, we will have a pre-primary. And then whoever wins that primary, of course, we go on to get out the endorsement of the mutual aid party, and then they go on to run for Congress, et cetera. And then as soon as they do something that is out of our rule book or whatever we establish, then we would denounce the person. And then whoever came in second in that pre-primary is like automatically up, you're up to, you're up to bat for, to run against this person. That's one idea that I'm thinking of right now. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know. What, tell me what you think about that. Smart case. I think that's a good idea. But it's it's also great that you're already thinking about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's definitely something I, I was thinking about. Um, but uh, there's more to come. I, I hate talking about, you know, this is <laughs> my version of a strategy session. And I love how you give us the floor and the ability to do this here, Sabs. Because, you know, things can change at any time. But I like throwing ideas out there, um, the audience, and also people throwing their ideas at me, and we're kind of collaborating together because this is a true grassroots movement. Well said. Ashura, what's up? I'm good. Uh, hello, Lucy. Hi. Hi. Uh, hi. I, 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 I was wondering if it was you. Ah. <laughs> uh, Let's just say that tonight's the only thing I'm concerned more than the runoff results, because Democrats they basically have no they they have no recourse not to just say blame Republicans. I'm pretty sure they have the majority now. Or in the Senate, the yeah, yeah, they'll have the majority. It's kind of weird though. Basically, they won the Senate, but they lost the House. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how do you basically lose the House? If you know you're gonna you go you were gonna win the Senate, I, I guess it was by maybe by design. They they, they couldn't win on they couldn't get both houses because that would be means that they, they are completely blameless. No, they they are basically completely blameless, so you they can't they can't blame you, you can't blame the Republicans if you have both houses. Well, they were mainly focused on the Senate. That's where most of their attention was at. And yeah, while they were mainly focused on the Senate, they lost the House. That, 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 that's kind of fucked up. <laughs> that's, that's a fucked up way of thinking, basically. You'd rather go for the little guy, well, the, the less number. Basically, I would have I, I would have basically made sure to basically keep some numbers in the House, even if I were to lose maybe five, ten people. But I would still have the numbers to keep both the House and the Senate and do what I wanted without basically Republican obstruction. Uh, as for basically, uh, what's his face? The guy Trump hates so much because he has a fucking mustache. Uh, <laughs> John Bolton. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that's the thing. Like I was, I remember watching a Kakolinsky once, and they said the reason why Trump didn't want to pick Bolton is because Trump hates his mustache. <laughs> he has a walrus mustache. It's true. I mean, <laughs> well, are you sure he's not the version of the walrus from Alice in Wonderland? This one is not drinking tea. Well, he is drinking tea. Like, he's drinking basically the blood of people he's killed. <laughs> yeah, because I'm like, who's this guy who fuck do you think he is? He's going to run for president. I mean, he's already got bad blood with Donald Trump. The moment he got out, 
he starts trashing Trump. You think the Trump base is going to forget that shit? You think Donald Trump is going to forget that shit? Donald Trump is very vindictive. You you step on him, he'll, he'll remember you forever. So he, he's got zero chance of basically getting Republican votes unless he go joins the the Democrats. And then he's going to be like, uh, what's her name? Uh, God damn it. Like, Dick Cheney's uh, girl, Dick Cheney's daughter, like, joining the Democrats. I mean, he has a best shot of basically <laughs> the Democrats literally uh, reforming him. I, for, I forgot what the word Jimmy uses. Basically, they... they what was the word Jimmy used? The one where they basically re, they re-educated George Bush or some word. forgot what the word was. Basically, they made George Bush good again. In the eyes oh, of the, the master class. No, no, it's not the master class. Basically, it's the word Jimmy used to use where he says that they've basically made people forget the shit uh, Bush did, now he's good now. Re- rehabilitate. Yeah, rehabilitated. Thanks. That's the word, basically. If he goes over to the Democrats, he's going to get rehabilitated. So that means everything he did, forgotten. Condoleezza Rice, rehabilitated. Hillary Clinton, I mean, she's rehabilitated. She, she ain't rehabilitated. Like, I, you, you, did you see the video with Jon Stewart? Basically having those two, two fucking assholes right in front of him, and he basically... He basically cleans their record. Even though you got basically videos yeah. from, from the old uh, Daily Show, him just trashing them. Well, I think that John Stewart was already spoken to uh, before that interview happened, and that's probably why he got that interview, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, well, Jimmy joked about said maybe when the time he was doing that Wuhan bit on uh, the Colbert show, he's trying to get back in the good graces of the liberals. I don't, John Stewart to me, like, look, he's, he's done some, some good things in reference to, um, the veterans. Yeah. The veterans and things like that. But when it comes to political advice, I do not go towards John Stewart because again, at the end of the day, like he's a celebrity, like do just, I don't know. Just, the funny it, part, he was giving rewards to Nazis. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, like. Sometimes, like, he appears to be with it. Like, sometimes it seems like he gets it. And then he'll just do something, like, off the wall that shows that, nope, nope, we were right. He does not get it. <laughs> That's the thing about with Jon Stewart. Like, yeah, I-, I think, you know, him and Mark Ruffalo. Oh, God, what's the other guy's name? He used to start blocking people a lot. John... Oh my God! The guy from the movie say anything? Don't know who that is. I know somebody John in the Cusack? chat. John Cusack. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. Those three—they're a trip, man. They're a uh, trip. I don't, I don't watch that. Like, like, when you said John Cusack, I was gonna go John Travolta, John Cusack. I was gonna go through any John that I think about. John Travolta would have been funny though. Yeah. Oh, did you know basically that woman who starred with John Travolta in that movie? They used to do the one where they were pregnant, baby. I don't know if you remember that movie. Look who's talking. Yeah, look who's talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She died basically this week, I believe. Or yeah, I heard. Yeah, she died. Like you, you, you keep losing people, man. Like uh, I, don't, I love that movie. Now you got the Green Ranger that died. I'm like, really? People are just dying left and right. Did you guys hear that, like, um, I have to find the link, but, like, JB shared this with me. Like, the fourth billionaire died since the FX thing. Excuse me, the FTX, uh, the crypto scandal. Okay. 
Oh, yeah, I heard about that shit. I heard it stopped looking so good. I mean, I never, I, I was never into crypto that much. Every time someone would give me an email, hey, want to join crypto? You can basically do a lot of money. I mean, I saw Graham Elwood was into that shit. I'm like, yo, that shit's a scam. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to bring in um Eric. Um, I know you're on the call. You just have to unmute. I want to make sure I bring you in as well. Oh. Maybe Eric, I'll invite Eric to uh, speak. He might be having trouble with the mic. Let's go ahead and bring in uh, Dave and Casey. Go ahead. And I say just real quick, I'm I'm watching um, Raphael Warnock go uh, say his speech, and I'm just thinking like, you know, good luck in six years. How, how much? How much did he won by? He won by the amount of votes. I'm not exactly sure. After four points, five points. Like, it's not much based close. on what I saw. Like it's, it's very, it's I, very close. Yeah, we've been saying this whole night that is you're surprised that he lost to you know I mean not lost but he was so close. We're all surprised how I mean, it's fucking ridiculous. Guy, it's fucking hmm? ridiculous how the fact that this thing yeah. got so, it got to a runoff. He so imagine if they had a white by five points at least. If that a typical white guy that was a typical Republican, then Warnock would have lost. So that's probably what they're going to do. Either they might put up another black person there, but a sane, you know, Republican black person. And to me, it, unless he really turns out to be like, a, what do you guys think, Sabrina? Like Sabrina, what what do you think he needs to do over the next six years to like make himself? You know how Bernie pretty much won. He wins his Senate race by like 70% of the vote. Like, how can he position himself to be like a Bernie? What do you think? Well, listen, you guys, I don't know if you remember this, but last time he went into a runoff. Mm -hmm. Because that was a special election for people who are not aware. When he ran in 2020, that was a special race. That's why he has to run again. Because Senate seats Mm -hmm. are for like six years, right? So. Here's the thing, what this proves to me, and based on the numbers I just saw, he had like 50 point, I think it was 50 point, not when they ended the the stream, 50.9, and Herschel Walker had like 49.1, oh wait, maybe he had 50.1, Herschel Walker had 49.1. What this says to me is that Raphael Warnock is not a strong candidate. Mm Mm-hmm. Both times in a row, he's had to go into a runoff. Mm-hmm. And how do you let Herschel Walker get that close to you? Because last time when he ran, the the woman he ran against, she was a Republican. I forget her name. She was just not memorable. But um, it was not close at all. It was not mm-hmm. close. So why, how did he let Herschel Walker get that close to him? You see what I'm saying? So so this yeah. tells me something about Raphael Warnock. He's not a strong candidate. No. And so that's the question is, what does he need? And I saw somebody put in the chat, cut, he needs, they cut the checks. So I don't know if he maybe <laughs> advocate for uh, another. Um, and it's it, as of right now, it's about 55,000 votes that he won by. So, like, he, he needs to be... And, and so far, uh, he's not a Joe Manchin, right? Which is good. He's not somebody that's preventing 
at least he's not stifling, like, for example, Bill Backbetter, which is a minimum. You know, as a leftist, you know, I want a lot more. But at the very least, he's not trying to stop something like that from happening like a Joe Manson Christian cinema. But the thing is, I like prog- aggressive progressives. You know what I'm saying? I, I want people to be out there advocating for $2,000 a month UBI or Medicare for all or um, universal child care. I mean, I need you that to be on your lips every day, every time you do media, you know? So I'm mm-hmm. thinking he needs to find whatever his niches, you know, Bernie Sanders, mainly Medicare for all, uh, AOC was Green New Deal. He needs to find his niche and just hammer away at it. Maybe um, legalizing marijuana or something. I don't know. What What do you all think? I think the problem with Warnock is like, I don't think people have figured out what he represents and what he's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. When he was first running, he talked about socialist policies and socialist ideas. But... Mm-hmm. Every time I see him on TV, he's talking about moderate Democrats. And then I look at the way that he votes. He didn't vote to protect same-sex marriage. He didn't vote. He didn't vote for the railroad uh, sick days, sick leave. He didn't vote. He didn't vote for the railroad worker contract or vote against it. He just opted out of all of that. And some people say, well, it's because he's in a runoff. And I'm like, it doesn't matter. Do yeah. you support these workers having sick leave? Yes or no. Do you yeah. support people being able who are in same-sex marriage to still be legally married? Yes or no. So uh-huh. that to me was suspect. And I didn't realize that till recently when I was going back, looking at those votes, when I looked at the railroad votes, I kind of went down the rabbit hole and I started looking at a lot of other votes. And I was like, uh-huh. why would he not even vote? When it came to codifying same-sex marriage. So to me, it just, what exactly is he supposed to be? Yeah. Yeah. He he didn't vote on all these things. And it's basically like he's a non-voter. If I was Herschel Walker, I would have hit him on that. But anyway. Uh, Go ahead, Dave. Hey. Hey, hey, everybody. Hey, Hey, Sabby. How are you? Hello. Uh, yeah, on your, you know, I saw the question, uh, you know, let's see if I can pass the, you know, DSA removing squad members. Yeah. 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 Yes, definitely. But I mean, I don't know. I mean, you, I mean, you, you, you know, a lot of this stuff already, like the, the, the you know, uh, the, the like, what DSA is like now, you know, even if there, might, there are some people that are in it that are. You know, they're good people and there are some like real fighters that are part of the organization, but it's, it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's, their meetings are, they're kind of a disaster, you know, now and they're not, and what they're doing with, uh, with candidates is, uh, I mean, you know, their strategy has, it's failed, you know, completely in my, I'm not being that eloquent, but yeah, just to answer that question. It, it's very obvious. Like I, I hear about, I hear about a lot of the, I hear about their meetings all over the country sometimes because you know I'm a political freak like you and Roger and Case and Lucy. So um, you know I hear about what goes on there and I and I touch you know I touch act I touch other leftists in the Boston area that are like dual members of you know they're they join DSA at some point but they do other things in the city or 
and a lot of them have dropped out, or there's a lot of limiting liberals in DSA meetings. It's it's not an effective organization, in my opinion. So I don't really care who they, I don't care that much how they, how they, what they say publicly about the squad right now. You know what I'm saying? Anyways. Yeah, I think uh, when it comes to DSA, um, I mean, we're both like, like in Massachusetts. So it's like, I think that um, you had a good point when you said that, like, you've heard about them nationally across the country. It's true. Like, I've I've heard like so many stories about DSA. And I'm just like, I don't know why people want to be part of this organization at this point, um, especially organizations that ask you to pay dues. Like, um, but Right. And I get it. I, I get it. They need money to do things. But if the whole purpose of this organization is to run candidates, you kind of have to ask, what is it all for if those candidates are not following the principles of DSA? Yeah, and it's not just like one. It's like, I mean, every single national candidate they have is doing that. And a lot of the local candidates, one local office, are also not following their the rule book isn't even enough to accomplish, you know, say, it wouldn't even come close to the 11 demands, for instance, um, even if they did succeed in that. I mean, you know, it takes some time to accomplish things. I, I you know, I understand that, but um, I, I've seen them do a few good things locally in Boston. Like, like, like they, did a, they did a medical, like some of them started negotiating, helping people negotiate with medical they started DSA started a medical insurance like support for people that had medical debt or were trying to negotiate away medical debt. And so some of the ones that were more these more like lawyerly, more like fighting to go willing to call the medical insurers and the banks and sort of fight with them a little bit to get some debt canceled. They they created a collective they had about ten or fifteen of their people doing that. And they had some of the other people did, you know, knocked on some doors for, for tenant organized, you know, for tenant organized tenant associations. Yeah. They did some stuff like that, but that was like, that was only like a minor, you know, that was over the course of like three years they did, you know, some little, little initiatives like that. So. Right. Cause their primary focus is, electoral politics it's it's running candidates um socialist alternative if you guys go to socialist alternatives website they have like a Q&A section and one of the questions is i think it might be the first question what is the difference between socialist alternative and dsa and they really break it down and and the big mm. difference is dsa yeah. like their thing is running people you know candidates electoral politics right Whereas Socialist Alternative, they are not a political party. They don't want to be a political party. They don't want to be a political uh, a candidate organization. That's the difference. Socialist Alternative is doing things on the ground with the workers, uh, fighting for minimum wage, like those types of things. The things you're hearing about with the unions, they're doing those things. And then if someone is in the movement that they think would be a good person to run, as an organization, they'll vote on that yeah. person to run. So that's how Shama Sawant like uh, ended up running. She she did not want to be a politician. So the another big difference is that the person doesn't decide, hey, I want to be a politician. They don't do that. 
And maybe right. that's that's what should happen going forward because that was that's actually how it was supposed to be for Justice Democrats because originally the Justice Democrats were supposed to be nominated by people from their community. And at some point that piece went away and some of those candidates were actually not nominated by people in their community. And so, for example, I'll give an example, Anthony Clark, Mm -hmm. Anthony Clark was nominated by his community. Where's Anthony? Where's he? Where's he out of? Where's Anthony Clark? Chicago. Okay. Yeah. Oh, he's a Chicago city councilor now. is Is he a Chicago city councilor now? Is that right? I think so. I have to, I have to double check. Okay. Um, but yeah, I know yeah. that like Anthony yeah. was another person that um, he yeah, they didn't, he didn't he didn't want to run for office himself. He was community like right. pulled around him. and They were like, you know, you're the right. <laughs> sorry about this, but you're the one that has to go in there. <laughs> right. So, yeah. He was he was actively helping people in his community already. Based right. on what I've seen. The people who were actually helping people in the community that were supposed to be the Justice Democrats, those people didn't win. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a, it's a big problem. Like like I think anyways, I, I don't want to add too much more. Let me let you go to the next uh, speaker. Um, but um, yeah, I, I just I wanted to say something real quick. I I, I just remembered. Thanks. Um, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, Lucy, I remember you talking about the Hunts Point thing, right? And I remember in my mind rewinding back to when they were asking for a dollar raise. And I said to myself, we as workers have to stop devaluing our own worth. Um, because what's a dollar? Sorry about that. Uh, (laughs) An extra $40 a week. I mean, this is not the 1980s when that might have meant something. We're in 2022. I mean, come on. What's an extra $40 going to do? I mean, okay, yeah, I understand it's better than nothing and so on and so forth. But I'm talking about how workers value themselves. Mm -hmm. I think $5 would have been something to demand for. I mean, that's just me, okay? Because that's an extra $200 a week. Take the taxes away, $160. So that, that's just me. Second thing, um, I think Greg was asking me about uh, whether or not Zephyr teach outs to fund the police or whatever. I know this. I don't know if Greg is in New York or whatever the case is, but we passed a law during the whole George Floyd thing that when it comes to police, we transferred the responsibility from local DA's office to a special independent prosecutor's office um, that the attorney general picks. Um, Now, as far as I'm concerned, it didn't go far enough because a true independent one would have been someone who was selected by the community and then given the the the, um, the full strength and weight of the state behind them. But this would be picked by the attorney general's office and they would have to have no former um, 
relationship with law enforcement, this special independent prosecutor. Um, it may not be a direct. So let's say if she was attorney general, if she, you know, if, if Zephyr Teachout was attorney general, then she would get to pick. Um, but yes, I go back to saying DSA should drop the whole running candidates nonsense and just start doing ballot initiatives. I mean, we have there is an organization, um, BISC, B-I-S-C, uh, ballot.org, that does uh, push ballot initiatives. Um, I'm not sure if. Uh, oh, that would be great if we could try to get Melody Fields. It's either Chris Melody or Melody Fields, the president of it, on your show, uh, Sabrina. Well, let's bring in. Let's bring in Neo here because Neo's on the call. Neo, what's up? Oh, hey. Uh, sorry, I was smoking. Uh, I uh, my you could call me John, by the way. My I don't mind sharing that because it's like a very generic guy name. <laughs> um, but hey, Savvy, how's it going? Starting in the and hey, uh, case study, what's up? Um, anyway, I just wanted to start by saying, Savvy, when you mentioned John Stewart earlier, he gets me so mad because like I feel like that dude gaslights the shit out of the left. And like, if you just go back and watch some of his old Daily Show interviews, like compare him talking to John Kerry, him talking to Hillary Clinton, or versus him talking to Bernie Sanders is like night and day. It's really hilarious. Um, the way he pushes against the Bernie versus the way he just lets, or everybody saw the recent interview, like um, who was talking about? Uh, Jimmy was talking about it with uh, John interviewing Hillary and was it Susan something? Susan uh, or who was the Bush era secretary of whatever? Susan Rice? Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. So uh, everybody saw that interview, but that's just like a little dose of like how he's been shitty forever, you know? So don't get confused by him. He's he's kind of <laughs> deceiver, you know? Well said. Um, <laughs> I mean, what's your, what's your take on the whole DSA thing? Oh, yeah. On that, um, I think, like, anybody that watches your show, Sabi, like, you got the receipts on everyone. And so, like... We should all. We, everybody that watches your show probably agrees that we should be past the DSA, past the squad, past uh, even Bernie if he refuses to come out of his freaking cave. You know, like he, we, we all know he like refuses to engage with independent media, which is some BS. Um, and to the notion of case study, case study had some point earlier about like you know if people want to do ranked choice voting, why don't we just do it in our own way somehow outside of this traditional system? Um, I think like the way we move past the DSA and the squad and all these people is if we just build a new model, um, outside the system, it's just, what does that look like? Uh, and I, and I really think that instead of talking about specifically like ranked choice voting, I think we should focus on the big fish, um, which is the presidency. So, uh, with that in mind, I, recently just yesterday launched uh, a youtube channel um with the title neo's algorithm uh with a basic um proposal that we we gather the left behind uh one online platform behind the common ideal that we all think basically that joe and kamala should be gone and um we start there and then we form basically um, the DSA is obviously a failed strategy. It's never going to take over the Democratic Party. 
So if we ever really want to hope to do that, I know your um, leaning and RBN's leaning is away from electoralism. And we all have a lot of reasons to be uh, kind of defeated by electoralism at this point. Um, and I'm with that perspective. Uh, I just think that maybe there's a chance for it if, if we all looked at um, what, a, what a collaborative online campaign driven by people could actually be. So um, I hope you guys, case study you too, I, I sent you guys it on a, diff, a couple of different methods. Like I tried email and Twitter, but I hope you guys check out my launch video and I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Thanks so much, Neo. I, I think, were you the one that sent me that graphic? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. And that's at the end of the video. That's part of the program too. Basically, if we, if the channel really took off, the idea was that I think that channels like RBN and yourself, uh, your channel savvy should be like the biggest channels in lefty news. I think it's kind of bullshit that like Kyle Klinsky still <laughs> has nearly close to a million subscribers uh, when channels like yours struggle to get uh, reach. And so I'd hope that if a group of people online with me talking with them each week, uh, audience members and and uh, content creators alike, if we all got together and um, started to uh, talk each week together, like try to try to mend the uh, the broken uh, relationships between channels like that could have formed like Jackson Hinkle and the Vanguard or like uh, Jimmy and Kyle, like when they kind of splintered. Um, I think if if we found a way to come together behind a common ideal, such as like getting rid of Joe and Kamala and then we worked from there maybe there's a hope for something. So, um, yeah. And anyways, you guys are such a big inspiration and I hope that if the channel really took off, it would help lift, um, channels like yourself as well one day. So that's it. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks thank so much you for coming. hearing me out. <laughs> All right. I'm bringing Karthik and then, um, Karthik's going to be the last caller, but case, I think you were trying to say something. I think maybe, or maybe not. Maybe it was just my imagination. Go ahead, Karthik. What's up, Sabi? Um, so I'm not as familiar, or I, I don't know as much about DSA um, as any Just Democrats. I, I know about Just Democrats way more, but from what I know about, or from what I see about DSA, it kind of seems like they'll say the truth, but like Ryan Grimm, they'll say it like after it's like six months, one year, two years after it's happened. So <laughs> you see that GSA has finally called them out um, after the 20th time that they've abandoned us. That's nice to see. Yeah, I mean, they've issued statements before, like they've talked about removing um, Jamal Bowman back when he supported the Iron Dome. Uh, I feel like that guy like exposed himself at record speed. Yeah, like I've told people before, he's the weakest link. He really is. <laughs> like, uh, you know, Jamal Bowman's out here trying to start a national hip hop day. And look, I love hip hop music, but talk about priorities. Why aren't you trying to start a Medicare for all uh, movement across this country, yeah. which you guys ran on? He's trying to start a hip hop. He introduced a bill for national hip hop day. I'm not joking. Uh, 
Yeah, I, I'm on the rock, but it doesn't matter. Or better yet, get behind our effort to pass the New York Health Act. Oh, that's a good one, Roger. Exactly. He's does, does Jabal Mobin even say he supports that? I don't know. Okay, because I'm in California where Gavin Newsom's the governor, and he says he supports Medicare for all, even though he like blocks efforts multiple times. So Roger maybe has... like Jamal Bowman says he supports it, but he just doesn't really support it. Roger, has Jamal Bowman said anything about supporting the New York Health Act? I'm curious now. None of these federal politicians, none of our federal politicians said anything about the New York Health Act. Not even our Lord and Savior AOC? Nope. However, I will say, um, oh yeah, I, I think I told you guys this before. I will say that Kirsten Gillibrand's office is curious about um, the New York Public Banking Act and the and the uh, state public bank of New York. So, you know, I sent I sent him out an email. Oh, hmm, that's interesting. No, no, remember I mentioned that last week when when we spoke. When when um they spoke with the uh ahead, a national infrastructure national infrastructure bank coalition, and we we were looking they oh, for yeah. a right and they were looking for a twin bill in the Senate and hopefully she could sponsor it because she is the sponsor for the Postal Banking Act. That's right. So, I I, for, I forget it was her. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. She she supported a couple of progressive bills like. Early, like when Trump became office because she wanted a rep president, she supported public banking and Medicare for all, okay. and I think like one other good idea. Right. So she, so when we spoke to her regional director or whoever he was, and so on and so forth, he asked me to get in contact with him, up, send him some information about what the New York Public Banking Act and the State Public Bank of New York was all about. So you know, I sent the email. So I'm just waiting. I, I sent him some things and so on and so forth. But um, yeah. I mean, but now I, I I don't know anyone federally from our state that's like you know. Roger, we'll, we'll we'll get the public option like a hundred years from now when we're all dead. That's probably what will happen if, if <laughs> climate change doesn't kill us by then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so Brina, it's also only about, us. yeah, also about uh, DSA. Um, obviously, like we, I, I'm sure many of us would like us to, um, you know, denounce them or whatever. But obviously, I don't think it's going to happen. But I would also like them to, for people, general not just that, but like progressive media also, to like tell people to stop donating to them. Because that just like burns money. It's just like, like, you know, money for no reason at this point. You know, yeah, I, I can't, we, we've been I can't say that. that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, my we, bad. We, we've been saying that since day one at RBN, like, Donate your money to mutual aid. Donate to mutual aid organizations like in your neighborhood. Like, stop donating to them because I mean, I'm, they're just going to take your money and continue to disappoint you. Yeah, I first heard that idea from like Jimmy Dore, like around the lockdowns, like March 2020, and I thought that was crazy at first. But then the more I thought about it, it just made sense. You know, I still get emails from Nassau County DSA. They, um, the one thing I will say is they have like a a, a mutual aid thing um, where let me see, it'll be, it's always like Monday we're doing a uh, meeting about mutual aid, and like Tuesday it's about public power, and another day, and so on and so forth. I get a lot of emails, but 
Um, oh, yes, I just reminded myself. Um, I don't know if you saw it, Sab, because I know I send a lot of stuff and you probably don't get to see all of it or whatever, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Um, Rochester, okay? I don't know if Lance is still here, whatever the case is, but Rochester, which is the polar opposite of Long Island, it's like the North Pole and Long Island's the South Pole. They're doing public power. They're trying to get municipalized power where they're at. Um, and uh, it's, uh, you know, uh, pretty interesting. So it seems like, you know, we never talk to them. It's just everybody is kind of like coming around to thinking the same type of thing. I mean, we're trying to get state-channelized power in the state, but, the you know, the state didn't pass it. So I guess the municipalities are coming around and going, ah, fuck it, we'll do it. We can't wait for the state. Oh, yeah, that's great. And um, San Diego, where I live, like, we passed paid leave through Proposition in 2016. It's not great uh, prop. It was like five days of paid leave if you work mm-hmm. one year at a place. But it's like, I guess, better than nothing. I'm going to put it in the chat. I'm about to pick someone up. All right, I'm cool. Put the, uh, the hey, Sabrina, the uh, last thing that I have to say is that, um, for like I said, I know a lot more about just Democrats, but uh, so I, I would imagine that DSA does the same. But um, if you go on the Justice Democrats website, and I, I, I just checked today, like they have like 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 uh, many movies on their website treating all of them like heroes, like Jamal Bowman, AOC, uh, Rashida Tlaib, uh, uh, Marie Newman, who lost this year, actually. So it's just sick to see how like these like theoretical uh, revolutionary organizations are treat like doing all this uh, hero worship. Yeah, that's they've created the celebrity culture. That's a big part of the problem too. Like I've said before, is that celebrate them for what? They haven't done anything. Yeah, they won, but what have they done since they since they've been there? You know. Yeah. Well, Legislatively, yeah. what have they done? They ain't passed no. They're not passing legislation. If you look at the numbers, for those of you who are uh, data people, if you look at the numbers, AOC is the most one of the most ineffective people in Congress. That's just based on her performance, not her personality, not whether you like AOC or AOC or not. When it comes to performance, they're not hitting it. Well, she just does stunts all the time, so it's just, I don't know, it's just so sad. I think, like, everything, like, in progressive circles has become so pathetic. Mm-hmm. Well, I am about to wrap up. Um, Case, did you have anything else to add before I head out? Oh, I have a question, if I can ask that. Uh, go ahead with your question first, Carthy. Okay, so this is about I'm not sure if there's an answer to this specifically, but it's about the uh, railroad and the transportation department in general. Like, what the fuck is Mayor Pete, Secretary of Transportation, even doing? Like, this is supposed to be, like, his department, and he's doing jack shit. Like, I really wonder what he does, like, 9 to 5 every day. Because he has no experience in transportation, so what the fuck is he actually doing every day? Yeah, he wasn't qualified for that position. It was given to him. Um, I think it was given to him as a concession for him dropping out of the race. Yeah. So that it would give a boost towards uh, Joe Biden. Oh, yeah, I know that. But like he like a, doesn't have any experience. So I really like wonder, like, what the fuck is he doing actually every day, like nine to five? Because he doesn't know anything. Is he just no, like sit, sitting, sitting on his desk every day watching TikTok? I've noticed that, too, with his interviews. When they ask him questions, 
about transportation and like he just doesn't know he just gives them work salad like he doesn't really know what his it sounds like to me he doesn't even understand what his job really is Mm-hmm. That's his specialty, Sabs. His specialty is word salad. Like he could go on for minutes and minutes, and you won't learn anything. But go ahead, Carthy. Okay. And when he took that two month uh, paternity leave break, it was reported after he came back to work. I'm not sure that that anybody actually even noticed. Mm. That's how useless yeah. he is. Nah. Yeah, I think it was like a position like how um, what's the name, Hillary Clinton was Secretary of State, where it's like a safe position. If she, if she was VP, she probably have a lot more scrutiny. While Secretary of State, she's more out of the limelight. He he's like he didn't want anything too heavy. Look at um Kamala right now as VP. She's not doing a great job at all. So imagine if he was VP, he would be in a bad position. But he said, okay, let me go to you know Department of Transportation. Which I, I still think he should have been more aggressive against the airlines, you know, when they were committing ah, uh, yeah. fraud. You know, they had overbooked their planes and then, you know, constantly overbooking their planes. That's fraud. So oh, yeah, they had a great excuse it. for that. Well, yeah. you know, the, we, we, we live in a capitalist country, you know, and kind of capitalism, <laughs> you can't actually do anything. Yeah, ridiculous. That was a great excuse. So, well, at least Kamala and um, Hillary, like, had experience, like, uh, in federal government, so they kind of, like, had some knowledge of how things were you can say but and also i i, I know we all think ben carson joke and obviously ben carson is a huge joke but at least like you can say that because he was like secretary of and he grew up in section eight so he had some understanding of public housing you can say but Pierre Pete like knows nothing about nothing about anything 100%. are you sure about that i don't think that carson grew up in section eight but, oh, he um, didn't. Okay, uh, my mistake. I could but, be wrong. Like, I thought he had some story, but he, he could be lying. Obviously. Wait, Carson. Yeah, yeah, I thought Ben Carson grew up in public housing. I thought he said that on the campaign. Obviously, I could be wrong. Ben Carson was on welfare for a, a short period of his life. He didn't. He didn't. Like he didn't necessarily, I guess, grow up on it per se. But he was on welfare for a short period of his life uh, because it was him and his mom and I, I want to say his brother and something happened with his mom. I don't know if I remember the whole story. Oh, wait. No, 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 no. I remember now. His mom had postpartum depression and back then they didn't have a name for it. So when she started having the symptoms, they took her to see the nuns and the nuns took her to the hospital. So his mom was gone for a while and then she came back and she had to try to pick up another job and it wasn't enough money. I remember this now. It wasn't enough money. And so they had to get on welfare and it was something that his mom didn't want to do, but they had to do it. So, yeah, he was on welfare for a short period. Okay, I thought he was on public housing, but maybe I, I could be wrong about that. I, I, though I only mentioned that because it's like slightly more experience than what Mayor Pete has about transportation. Sabrina, you're supposed to tell us you're going to be on Indie Media tomorrow. Mm-mm. You're not? I thought it was tomorrow. Mm-mm. I thought you was going to be on there with Colin Raddix and all of tomorrow. I'm sorry. <laughs> I got confused. That's right. I'll be on um Indie News Network tomorrow night from from eight from eight to nine. From eight to nine. You gotta promote them other shows, man. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. getting suppressed a lot. Huh? No, you said yeah. A lot. They they seem to be getting suppressed. A lot. I think they're shadow banned. I, I talked to um, I talked to Indy Left about that before because uh, I had a uh, the first time like I was trying to enter their channel on YouTube. I entered their channel on YouTube and they didn't come up. Wow. Yeah. Oh I think yeah. It's super banned. hard to find their channel if you're not subscribed. Very hard. Very hard. Which is crazy because. Most of the time, they talk about labor. That's most of what their content is, is labor. Mm, nice. So before we head outside, I just want to mention that um, I clipped, I think, yeah, earlier today, it was a clip from yesterday where it was just MSNBC heads were just fawning over Maxwell Frost, like a celebrity politician. He's like the next AOC. So I, I just saw that and I was like, wow, it's just it's just so sad how they just fawn over that guy. Mm-hmm. I noticed I, I the whole people are starting to see this pattern. They have mm-hmm. their select picks. They have their ones. Um, mm-hmm. If Jessica Cisneros would have won, she would have been one of those uh, picks, too, by the way. Because mm. she was another one that they... They, they heavily praise. But another thing about with her is like she ran twice in a row. It's like, what's next? You got to pay your bills, right? Maybe he'll he's run also, for president. He, he's like a good boy in the sense of he was out there uh, campaigning with Reverend Warnock. You know, he was on a plane and he came over there and they're like just so proud of him for you know, pretty much being a good boy, a good Democrat. But why are the progressives helping why are they helping moderate democrats when moderate democrats don't help them yeah oh it's a good question um i think i think he <laughs> wants to play the game he wants to say hey i'm a safe guy i'm a get get along go along to get along kind of guy I, I, mm-hmm. we saw but that when he don't... was even before he was elected how he changed his position on palestine you know mm-hmm. he changed real quick before he even a day in 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 office, <laughs> it's crazy. Well, maybe because like they want the establishment and like specifically the media to like him. Because we all remember like when the CNN, MSNBC used to hate Bernie Sanders, uh-huh. and yeah. now they treat him like he's a hero, like he's Bernie Sanders. I mean, sorry, like Bernie Sanders is Joe Biden's best friend. It's, it's like like what complete one eighty of how they treated him in, uh-huh. when he ran. Yeah, that's I, I really liked what the guy. Um, I, I'm so sorry I can't remember your name, but he he said maybe from day one, even if somebody runs as a Democrat, like how DSA their um, endorsed candidates runs as Democrats, maybe the first day, as soon as you win, you just declare and say, hey, I'm not part of the Democratic Party anymore. I'm part of Green Party or I'm part of part of whatever other party. But like it has to be a hard break. Yep. That is true. That's very true. But yeah, you know, he's he's definitely one of those ones that's going to go along to get along. But just remember that, guys, like the moderate Democrats don't ever support any of these uh, progressive candidates. Uh-huh. And in fact, they they usually support the, the corporate candidate that's running against them or they smear them. They don't yeah. back them. Even Hakeem Jeffries is supposed to be part of the progressive caucus. He's out there creating super facts going up against progressives. That's right. That's right. All right, guys. 
it's past All right. time, so I gotta head out. So I hope Much everyone love. have a good night. All right, everyone. Have a good night. Great as usual.